This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Maine's highest court will not weigh in on whether former President Donald Trump will stay on the ballot. The state Supreme Court justices have dismissed an appeal by Secretary of State Shanna Bellows. This keeps the Superior Court judge's decision in place that the U.S. Supreme Court ruling on a similar case out of Colorado will have to be made first. Last month, Bellows found Trump didn't qualify for the ballot because of his alleged role in the January 6th Capitol riots. But a state judge put that on hold pending a ruling on the Colorado case. The judge told Bellows to await the outcome before withdrawing, modifying, or upholding her original decision to keep Trump off the ballot. Trump's campaign released this statement in response, saying in part, he is confident that the United States Supreme Court will ultimately be fair and eliminate these meritless cases once and for all. Crime, immigration, even calling social media, quote, environmental toxin. Mayor Eric Adams used his State of the City address to touch on a whole bunch of topics. In the Bronx, state of our city is strong. A decidedly more upbeat message from Mayor Eric Adams. When crime goes down, jobs go up. When crime goes down, tourism goes up. Pulling out positive slogans from his successful race for mayor, even as he touched briefly on the city's unpopular migrant crisis. This was a team effort. And how we did it? We stayed focused, no distractions, and we grind. Some of the mayor's proposals, a new agency to get delivery bike chaos under control, 500 million units of housing by 2033, and another promise of almost a million new jobs. The mayor made few references to migrants, the city's budget woes, or the ongoing federal investigation into his campaign fundraising. There was just one indirect reference to the big battle brewing with the city council over a bill the mayor vetoed. It would force police to document more of their encounters with the public. He extended an olive branch, though, to the city council speaker, Adrian Adams. Mommy used to tell me, Speaker Adrian Adams, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Our mommies are looking down on us, sister. Jim Harbaugh is going to take the head coaching job with the Los Angeles Chargers. He's leaving Ann Arbor, Michigan, finally. He is going to the NFL. He is getting a deal done with the Chargers that they are in the process of finalizing. He will be the new head man in Los Angeles with Justin Herbert as his quarterback. And you look back on all the things they did at Michigan, an 89-25 and 25 record, a 40-3 and three record in the last three years, three straight Big Ten titles, the AP Coach of the Year, and, of course, 2023 national champions. But Jim Harbaugh essentially is now headed out, and he's going to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers were trying to get this deal done before he would go to Atlanta to visit the Falcons, who also were interested. And now this leaves four other vacancies. And it leaves one in Atlanta, where the Falcons met with Mike Vrabel, where they met with Bill Belichick. But Michigan now has an opening. They have a gaping hole there with a man who had changed the culture, now going to be leaving Ann Arbor to take the job with the Chargers. Sydney, it's Tony Darrow. God bless you. You should run for mayor next time. You don't stop. And uh, I'm proud of you. 
and the Israeli people need you, the Jewish people need you, the New York Jewish people need you. We all need you. Be safe, and God bless you, and go Israel. Sid, I just want to say, you are a leader. That's what you are. Uh, You're not a follower. You are a leader. You have been courageous. You have, I I am, I got to tell you, Sid, I love you for who you are. Because you show us your heart and your soul all the time. You are the real deal, Sid. The real deal. You're staring out into the night Trying to hide the pain I'm going to the place where love don't ever cost a thing In the pain you feel's a different kind of pain American Idol. I think he lost. I think that was uh, the one with Kelly Pickler. He didn't win. I know that. He came in third, I think. He definitely didn't win. It's either second or third. But I think third. And uh, Daughtry has gone on to become a huge star. I'm coming home. Not that Israel is my home, mind you. You know, I've got a um, kind of a poignant story about this song. So I'm down in South Florida. And all I ever wanted to do was get back to New York. It ended very ugly for me, as you remember, Lewis, as well as anybody, in uh, 2005. That was it. But, of course, I wasn't done in New York in 2005. In fact, just two years later in 2007, 
after filling in for Chris Carlin, the continent, doing sports for Imus and other work, WFAN was ready to bring me back. And then Imus made those unfortunate remarks about Rutgers, and that deal was done. So I really spent between 2005 and 2016, 11 years, you know, kind of um, improving my craft. Because I say this all the time, when I left New York in 2005, despite my success at WFAN, I was not a great talk show host. I am now. And I believe that happened because of Florida. Because I don't believe with all the restrictions that Mark Chernoff and FAN put on me, I could ever be great. You know, if God forbid I ever swayed from talking about the Mets, I got called in the office. And I don't believe you can be a great talk show host unless you tackle a variety of topics. You can be a great sports talk host. God, Mike, Chris, all those guys. But I was able to really up my game in Florida those 11 years. But I spent those 11 years dying to get back. Every opportunity, dying to get back. And I would come up and do shows all the time. You know, when Howard Stern left K-Rock and Mark Chernoff was in charge of that programming before they hired David Lee Roth, they had tryout shows. And I did a tryout show with Max Kellerman, flew to New York, every chance to get back. It was a disaster, me and Max. Didn't work out. 2014, I don't know if you know this, Louis, you were gone, but I spent the whole summer in New York. Left Danielle, Gabe and Ava in Boca, moved in with my sister Ray Sherry and Albert and Mill Basin, and literally did two months of shows. I had to do my midday show down in Florida, my morning show, excuse me. So I would do my morning show down in Florida from the band studios and then do the midday show with Mark Malusis. What year was this? 2014. Malusis, Kim Jones, I worked with all of them. Yeah, right. And it didn't work out. So 11 years I tried to get back. And then in one of those years... I got a call from my agent at the time, no longer, Mark Lepselter, and he said, listen, come to New York for a couple of days. We'll go to Fox News. We'll go to WABC. We'll go to a bunch of places because it doesn't look like the fan is ready to bring you back. Okay. So the guy that was in charge here, and I only met him once, was a guy named Steve Bornstein. Borneman. Borneman? Yeah. Okay. So Love Seltzer says, we're going to meet with Steve Borneman. He seems to like you, and let's see what happens. Well, nothing happened, of course. I met with Borneman. He was very nice. I mean, I, I mean people tell me he's phony. He's all that. I don't know. He's nice. He was a nice guy. Nice guy to very me. Nice guy. I yes. liked him, yeah. Yeah. But, the, you know, the, there was no interest. They were not bringing me back, you know. Imus didn't want me. That's the bottom line. They forced me on Imus originally in 2000, Turnoff did at the fan, and then, you know, I came back in 2016, and he woke up from his stupor, I'm in. Figured out that I was better than one awoke. But at any rate, so I have this um, this meeting with Borneman, and I know when we leave, I go, this ain't going anywhere. Then he takes me over to MSG to meet with some guy, McCarthy, about doing sports, <laughs> maybe doing a television show, I swear to God, with John G. Anone. And that didn't work out. Another FUV guy. Yeah. That's right, another Fordham guy. Yep. So I remember... I was in a cab after this long day in New York City. We went to the fan. We went to ABC. We went to MSG. We did all these things, you know. And nobody, nobody was really interested. If they were, they, they, they were too big, a, too scared to pull the trigger, you know. And, um, I'm in the cab and I got my, 
my headphones on, and that song, I swear to God, Lou, that song by Daughtry, because, you know, I'm not exactly a huge Daughtry fan, but I was kind of, you know, um, miserable. And I wanted to come back, and all of a sudden, I'm in the cab, and that song plays. I'm coming home to a place where I belong. And I was like, wow, maybe it's not over yet. Maybe I will get back. What a what a poignant time for Daughtry's home to play in that cab. Yeah. And, and it didn't happen then. It still took a couple of more years, but it did happen. I, it's very easy to kind of make jokes about it and make fun of it, but... I'll have to say, music is powerful like that. It is, It'll right, man? It. Yes, music. But, 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 but if you were going to make fun of me, you son of a bitch, what would you say? I'm plus, just curious. Plus, uh, well, the way you would go, like, can you believe it? The song came yeah. on, and yeah. I was getting going to the airport. Then yeah. I came back. No, I, a very little joke. But I will say seriously, when you say you weren't a good talk show host back in the FAN days, I've always told you, and to be serious, I thought oh, this guy is. Pretty good, man. Like you were thrown in. I no, I I have always told you that. You did. I like that, so I knew always. you were good. Well, I you know what? I, 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 don't, I wasn't good yet, and thank you for saying that, Lou. Coming from you, that means a lot. You're the best I mean, at your job time, ever. Every time there was like an emergency, or it was something, me. He Chernoff would pull you in. I it was went. Me. And I know. I was on the board or with or near you in the newsroom. I'm like. It's great. That's that's how good you are. Like they didn't pull a lot of other people in. They pulled nobody. It. Right. Nobody. I and, mean, and look, you you were getting me like, oh my god, I got to win again. I'm yeah, going there. I got to right. right. But no, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I mean, look, I was fearless, and people love that about me then. You know, like I am now. They love that about me. Uh, by the way, they did not call in. God rest his soul, my dear friend Bernard. They didn't call in Mike Breen. They didn't call in all these Jody, greats, Jody, anybody sitting no. around there. No. And then, of course, I mean to be to be completely honest, the last couple of months that Imus was on the air, the only person on the cast he really spoke to was me. That was it. He started taking the Bernie briefing from four minutes to one minute. He barely put Rob Bartlett on. Yeah. Those other guys were gone already. Kenny, the rest of those guys. And he would call me the night before and go, what are we talking about tomorrow? And I'm like, can we talk about Stern? He's like, whatever you want, bring it up. And you know this. This is true. The last three months, it's just him and I, basically, outside of the rest of the guests that were saying goodbye that hated his guts. Oh, this is at post-Charles. This is way after Charles. This is O'Connell McShane. O'Connell days, right. I mean, the Charles days, you know, I mean, those Fridays when when I started to take off because he was at the ranch, and Charles would host the show, and I was allowed to kind of co-host with Charles. Right. You're talking, I was brand new in the business. Maybe two years in, I was literally co-hosting the show with Charles. So thank you for what you're saying. But I'm just saying in terms of pace, uh, understanding the audience, interviewing skills, I didn't have all that back then. And, and it takes time. Look, I, I said this in a magazine a couple of weeks ago. I forget which one. You either have it or you don't. You, you can't teach somebody to be a great radio host. Now, you get better, just like I have, just like everybody does. It's like anything else in life. The more you do it, you get better. But to be a great, you got to be born with it. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. So, with that said, yesterday, after those kind remarks by both Tony Darrow, the great actor, and Dove Hyken in today's Open, 
Yesterday, the press release went out. 77 WABC morning host Sid Rosenberg to broadcast live from Israel. This includes visits to the site of the Nova Music Festival down south and Kibbutzim near the Gaza border. I do want to read the quotes of John Katsimatidis, who, of course, um, I thank, I love John Katsimatidis, John and Margo, and I thank John really very, very much for um, being enthusiastic about this and backing me in this trip, something that I wanted to do since October the 7th. John says in this press release, WABC Radio is guided by the principles of fairness, common sense, and truth. Our hearts go out to Jews around the world, as well as all innocent civilians who have lost their lives during these attacks initiated by terrorist groups on October the 7th, which hurt all people in the Middle East. Many Israelis and Palestinians were trying to work together until Hamas created the chaos. While there have been other attacks over the past 20 years, this is the most significant. Sid is carrying 77 WABC's message for world peace. That was from John. My guy Chad Lopez, he jumped in. Love Chad. He says, like all Americans and people around the world, we are distraught by the actions taken against Israel. Sid is making a noble journey and 77 WABC listeners in New York and around the world will tune in as he shares his experience. And finally, the quote they use for me in this really good press release goes on to say, I'm in awe of the strength of the Israeli people. It is with great reverence that I make this trip to honor those who were killed, tortured, or are still held hostage. I am proud that John Katzmatidis and WABC Radio support this important mission. And there you have it. We, uh, we're going to be off. And again, you know, so many people keep telling me the same thing the last couple of days. People who are tight with Israel, you know, who go off and they go, Sid said, yeah, nothing to worry about. <laughs> okay, right. It's more dangerous taking the subway. It's more dangerous walking in the city. And what's funny, and Noam, you can appreciate this, is the mayor, Eric Adams, had his uh, annual State of the City address yesterday. His third one now, you know. And you listen to Eric, man, uh, you would think this city's great. He even at one point took a victory lap for the migrant crisis, talking about how they grind it out and they figured it out and they worked hard, and that's why they've been able to do what they do. What? <laughs> what am I missing here? Uh, I don't the think illegal crisis anything. is as bad as ever, no? Yeah, no, it is. You know, the state of the city or the, is always sort of a wish list of things he wants to happen. And if you go through those lists at time and time with mayors and governors before him, you know, if they get through half that list, it's amazing. But they, of course, they're going to say glowing things about everything. I know. It's kind of like the president with the State of the Union. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing, actually. Not kind of like, but you, you gotta, you gotta, gotta temper it just a little. When you get to the migrant crisis, it's like Andrew Cuomo writing a book on how he fixed COVID. That, yeah. I mean, what are you talking about? He actually said, how did we do this? With grit and grind. We worked hard. How'd you do what? I still got migrants robbing King's Plaza, guys walking up to doors in my neighborhood. There were stabbings just a couple of days ago. How'd you do what? It's a mess. It hasn't improved, not even a little bit. Now, look, I love what he said about social media. 
as a father of a 15-year-old son and a 19-year-old daughter. I see what social media does to our kids. It Fs them up. It really does. It is dangerous. So I applaud Eric Adams for what he said about that. But this idea that jobs are great, the city is back, the city is safe, they've tackled the illegal crisis. I mean, what was I watching, fact or fiction? It was amazing to watch what he said about his solution to the migrant crisis was he was going <laughs> he was going to reach out to the feds for help. And yeah. that's, that's worked Again, out well so for far. For the yeah. 44th time, yeah. 43 times he's reached out to the federal and national government. You know what he's gotten so far? Dick. That's what he's gotten so far. Talked about the 5 million jobs coming in 2025. Did you hear that, No, I did. What was that all about? Well, again, wish list, things he thinks can, he can make it happen, whether he can make it happen or not. I don't know. I mean, look, I hope he can, but, uh, we'll see at the end of the year or the end of a couple of years if that's true. <laughs> I guess I'll play, uh, one of these. Let's see. Oh, what is this other thing he did yesterday? This one floored me too. He complains all the time about the federal government and the national government, but he almost never, never says Joe Biden. He's always complaining about the city council. In fact, a couple of months ago, he went to my friend Bo Deedle and talked about how there's a way to abolish the city council. And Bo was all excited about getting that done. He hates the city council. To be honest, uh, in defense of Eric, he's on the right side of things when they are not. And I understand you need these people, right? He, He sucks up to Hochul even though she screwed us in this city. He sucks up to Biden, even though he screwed us in this city. But you're going to suck up to Adrian Adams, the head of the city council? I mean, come on, man. Come on. Eric Adams, cut number seven, Lewis. Cut number seven. Mommy used to tell me, Speaker Adrian Adams, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. What? Our mommies are looking down on us, sister. So the mothers are looking down, uh, according to Eric. I guess he, he must have gotten the call like he has from God many times. And uh, the mother said, uh, Asian Adams, I love you, sister. I mean, no, help me. Here. <laughs> He's working with the city council that is so left and progressive, but he has to work with them. He has no choice. So yeah, you're going to bend over backwards to compliment the lady that's that's sticking it up your ass every day. Well, he hasn't. Looked. I mean, He's show ve- some balls, man. He vetoed that bill, the one that would have cops. He was right. And he so did, he was right, Derek Adams. Yeah. And so now he needs to convince two city council members to take his side so he can, you know, p- Here's push what I back. Would tell these city council members, OK, mm-hmm. get in your car. Put your foot on the gas pedal. When you get to about 90 miles per hour, look for a wall. This isn't going to end well. <laughs> just, call, just call me crazy. <laughs> that would be my advice to some of these city council members, like Justin Brandon and the rest of them. Just find a wall, and um, we'll be fine. What do you think? Good idea, no? <laughs> might work, yeah. You know, you guys laugh, but if Eric Adams ever said something like that, his approval rating would go from what it is now, what, 23% to like 80%. People want to see people with balls. That's why they love Trump. God, what is so hard to figure out? You got a media that spends their days and nights for the better part of eight years destroying this guy. He's been arrested four times. He's got some lying lady on stand every day claiming she raped him. 
And all he does is get more popular because he doesn't give an F. People like Eric Adams and Joe Biden, if you add up their approval ratings, it barely beats Trump because all they do is look to appease everybody and we're all sick of it. We're sick of it. Tell the truth. Cuomo, you were a disaster for COVID. Give back that $5 million. Adams, you've been a disaster in this migrant crisis. Like you or not, you have handled it awfully. Sanctuary City, stop with that nonsense. Just tell the truth. What if Eric Adams said, you know what? The federal government threw this on me. And to be honest, I thought we were prepared, but we weren't. But we're going to fix it because New Yorkers deserve that. If he did that instead of, well, we did a great job, how much more respect do you think he would garner? People are so afraid these days to lose gracefully, to admit they effed up. I must have said I'm sorry to Danielle every day for 32 years. And I understand after a while it loses some of its significance, but I really mean it every time. I mean it. I'm sorry. What if Eric Adams did that? Instead, to come off like he's done something great. You can look at a big pile of brown and tell me that's Godiva chocolate, but it smells like duty. Does any of this make sense, no? It does, yeah. Especially that last part. You're still there, right? Well, on that, we'll, uh, we'll break that. You like the last part. So we'll go to break. You got a big show coming up. Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Lee, while making his debut on the program. A man who delivered a beautiful eulogy for Joe Esposito at St. Patrick's Cathedral last week. Monsignor David Cassano will also talk to Siggy Flicker. And, of course, it's Thursday, the great Bill O'Reilly. Folks, fasten your seatbelts. you got me, Sid, for the next three and a half hours. digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. So don't forget it. 
just a silly phase I'm going through And just because I call you up Don't get me wrong on your kind of crappy rainy Thursday morning. So this uh, Nikki Haley continues to annoy the hell out of me. I can't stand her. I know I said this yesterday, but I've been saying it for months. At this point, I think I like her less than Biden. I know that sounds nuts, but she's selfish. She's delusional, but so is Biden, but she's selfish. But I'm going to bring this up with O'Reilly later. You know what I can't figure out? Nikki's just, like I said, she's selfish, egomaniac, an asshole. But what I can't figure out is, do you know that in the last 24 hours, she's received a million dollars in donations? We talked about this yesterday. Getting money doesn't win you anything. She's gotten a ton of money. She's not even competitive. She wasn't competitive in Iowa. Well, she got clobbered. And even... And that was a caucus. The primary in New Hampshire, not competitive, lost by double digits. After winning the independent vote by about 40%, and all signs point to her getting destroyed in her own home state. She's not competitive. She's just an angry biatch. Another million dollars yesterday. <laughs> no, explain that to me. Why would you be giving this lady money? She has no chance. There's None. a wing of the party that is Desperate that Donald Trump does know, not he, get the but nomination. There's no road to victory. I get it. I get all that. Great, great, great. There's no road to victory. Just take the money like he did for fat, stupid Chris Christie, Scaramucci, and Steve Cohen. Rip it up and throw it out the window. Yeah. Well, ultimately, how much you hate Trump? He's going to win. Ultimately, that may be what they're doing, but they think if there's any shot. <laughs> that, you know, we don't. It's angers worth me. It. it angers me that there's people out there who've got that type of money, who can be so stupid, so angry. So hateful, where they can afford to just, eh, we don't care if we lose a million dollars, we hate Trump. That really bothers me. I wish I had a million dollars to do that. I'm serious. Most people in this country, they can't afford to go out for dinner twice in one week. You know, we live in a dream world here in New York. Dinner on the Upper East Side, dinner in the village, dinner at Michael's in Brooklyn last night, Curtis, first time in 60 years. You know, my kids, for example, they've lived in two places. Boca Raton in New York City. And thank God Ava goes to college in Europe, so she understands it. And Gabe is just very, very smart. But this is not real life. There's about 47 states that are described as flyover nation, where if they go to Outback 
Or if they go to, uh, you know, um, Friday. Sizzler. No. Yeah. No, I'm serious. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And you've got these mother effers out there saying, I hate Trump, so just burn my $1 million. You're burning it. Just note there is no path to victory. I hate Trump. Burn my million. That's the ultimate F-off money. Yeah, man. it's nauseating, man. <laughs> Come on, man. There's, um, there's Ted Cruz on uh, with Laura Ingram, who, by the way, looks on Fox News last night, talking about how... Well, um, what are we going to say? Uh, <laughs> fine, God. Okay. Not a big, I'm not a big fan of hers either. She um, she yelled at me years ago. and uh, oh, Me goes, too, by the way, yeah. Huh? Really? I got yelled at it by her. A few oh times my as god! Well. On the yeah. Ima show, she got a she got a short haircut, and I made a um, sexual reference. No. And she she got so crazy, whatever. So it just proved to me that what I said to her <laughs> may be true. Right? You only get defensive when the other person is right. Uh, anyway, here's Cruz talking about how Trump gonna whoop that Biden's ass. Haley, go home. Ted Cruz, cut number five. The rational thing for her to do is recognize Trump's going to be the nominee. And I got to say, some of the things she's saying about his me mental cognizance are that's just like ridiculous. Like MSNBC stuff. But, but there's a reason for it. Joe Biden obviously has diminished massively. And so the left is worried about it. People recognize Joe Biden. You wouldn't let Joe Biden handle the remote control on your television. And he's got the nuclear code. So the left's talking point and the Democrats' talking point is, well, Trump's old, too, and he's diminished. And I don't like playing into Nikki that. is echoing that, and they're doing it to defend Joe Biden. What I suggested in the podcast today, I said, all right, fine. I suggest this for the general election. Let's do a cognitive test. Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. The winner is president. I'm very happy to take those odds because Trump will whip Biden's oh, ass. I love uh, Ted Cruz. Nice job there. Okay. He had a... Great Hannibal Lecter thing. I think Noam. I think Noam played it earlier. Well, right? get didn't, it he, me. didn't he say something funny about uh, Hannibal Lecter? Uh, yeah, Father Beans. Yes. Well, yes. give it, it to uh, Lewis. I'll play I'll it later. Sure. Okay? Yeah. yeah. We do have traffic with Joe Nolan coming up next, and the great Brian Kilmeade. But it is time right now for the seventy-seven WABC minicast clip of the day. It's the seventy-seven WABC minicast. Get the whole story in under ten New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from my man John Katzmatidis and Rita Cosby, who sent me a very nice email last night about the Israel trip. Here, John and Rita talk to a guy I really like, former Speaker Newt Gingrich. I thought his tone after Iowa. When he was conciliatory, he was positive about both DeSantis and Haley. He talked about bringing people together. He talked about solving problems. He talked about helping big cities. I mean, I thought that was the general election Trump who could become president and who could lead a unified country. I think last night he was surprised. I think he's very angry that she's still in the race. But not to his advantage to be publicly angry. That's not what the country wants. Uh, and it, and it's, it's the reason that Biden actually runs better than his approval rating, because there's a block of people who do not like Biden, but they frankly don't like Trump. Sid on sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. So the world's best built boilers, big waves coming out of the NCAA yesterday and the NFL for that matter with news dropping that Jim Harbaugh is leaving the national champion Michigan Wolverines to coach 
the NFL's Los Angeles Chargers, the team announced yesterday. Harbaugh's deals for five years, sources told ESPN's Adam Schefter. He was considered among the most desirable candidates in this coaching cycle because of his, his success in both the college and professional levels. Since his head coaching career began in 2006 at the University of San Diego, Harbaugh has had success at Stanford and Michigan and in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers. To boot, there's Harbaugh's uh, Chargers connection. He played quarterback for the team for two seasons in 99 and 2000. As a collegiate coach, Harbaugh has a 144-42 and record, winning three Big Ten championships and Michigan's first national title since 97 this past season. There's no local NBA action for us last night, but we'll get our fix today with the Knicks and Nets, both getting set to return to the court, both tipping off at 7.30 at home. The Nets will welcome in the Minnesota Timberwolves while the Knicks host the Denver Nuggets. Finally, no action to get to locally from last night in the NHL either, but the Islanders and Devils will have us covered tonight up in Montreal. The Isles will face off with the Canadians at 7 p.m. before the Devils drop the puck in Carolina against the Hurricanes at 7.30. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. You know, I've worked out at Burn Fitness, Lou, which is by about 105th and Rockaway. So the block before that, there is a um, there's a pharmacy on the corner. I, I think you know this. I'm going to make this very, very quick because you've got a long Brian Kilmeade interview coming up. But there's a bus stop there. And I believe it was last year. I don't remember the exact date. But this uh, beautiful young girl who shares the same name as my daughter. Ava, her name was Ava Conklin, was sitting at that bus stop. I think she was 19, same age as my daughter, was sitting at that bus stop, and this kid lost control of his car, slammed into her. She was sitting on the bench waiting for a bus and killed her. Yeah, I know that exact spot. So that's a, Is that a year ago already? Is that what you're saying? I think it may be at least a year Oh. So they put up uh, on the fence of the Walgreens there. Yeah, it's right at the Walgreens, exactly. Yeah, there's this beautiful, uh, it says Ava in flowers, and uh, people drop off flowers, and it's become, you know, a nice little memorial for this young lady. And, and I pass it every day. It's a block away from my gym, and it's eerie for me because it's my daughter's name. They were the same age. So I just got a message from a Colleen Donahue Brady, who is the aunt of this Ava Conklin, Ava's aunt. She says, hey, Sid, my niece Ava was hit on 108th Street in Rockaway. Can you sign this petition to help us send a message to the judge? This kid is going to walk. Now, I haven't read it, and I have not to be fair to the kid who hit her and others kept up on all the information, but I do know this. A beautiful young girl is dead for no reason, and someone's got to pay. So let me read this. Odds are I'll agree with Ava's aunt and sign the petition. But uh, I just know that story to be so horrendous. And see my daughter's name up there on that fence every day. So just know the uh, the Conklin family. Just like a couple of days ago, I took the uh, the Q22 bus, told you this, to go to the gym. Right? Like every other person does. I took the bus. And the bus stop is right across the street right across the street from Tim Klein's parents' house. And Tim Klein, of course, 
was the hero firefighter who died in Brooklyn, was killed in a fire. They've actually renamed 129th Street with all of uh, Lewis's favorite restaurants, Pico, La Sorrentina. Um, man, that's sad. Panini was Pico, all those to Tim Klein way. So it's the same thing. We've had a couple of real tragedies in our own neighborhood, and I'm always wishing the best for the Kleins and certainly the same for the Conklins. Okay, we'll take a short break. When we get back, once again, he follows me every day at 10. Brian Kilmeade, he will start a list of a really good guest list today, which includes Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Sliwa, making his debut today, Monsignor David Casado, Bill O'Reilly, and Siggy Blicker. Thursday with Sid. Keep it right here. Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Back here on Sit and Friends in the Morning, your Thursday edition. As we wrap up the week, our last two shows from America. <laughs> Sounds crazy, but I am on a flight at 1 a.m. late Saturday night, Sunday morning, to Israel. Land in Tel Aviv. Oh, about uh, dinner time in Israel on Sunday. We'll make that 90-minute or so trip to Jerusalem. And, of course, starting Monday, 1 p.m. Israel time, but 6 a.m. our time, we'll give you four live shows from Jerusalem. That has uh, not calmed down at all. I know we're all caught up in Trump and New Hampshire and, heck, even Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers, but things in Israel are still far from good. With that said, my next guest, the man does a tremendous job following me every morning here on WABC at 10 o'clock. One of the real stars, man, did he do a great interview this week with President Trump in New Hampshire of Fox and Friends on Fox News and his own amazing show after my good buddy Mark Levin at 9 p.m. on Saturday night's One Nation. He's my good buddy Brian Kilmeade. Good morning, Brian. What's happening, Sid? I look forward to your trip over there. Have you been over? You know what's crazy, Brian? I've never gone. So two years ago, my son Gabriel, my only son, uh, Danielle and I really considered getting him bar mitzvah in Israel. But to be honest, the cost was outrageous. We just couldn't do it at the time. But uh, with the help of One Israel Fund, a big-time organization, ABC and others, uh, this trip uh, was easy. Uh, folks have just been reaching out to me since October the 7th from Rabbi Bloomstein in Woodmere, from Dove Hikind to make this trip possible. So this, Brian Kilmeade, is the Sid Rosenberg pilgrimage, my first-ever trip to Israel. Well, it's, just a, it's a really important time because Israel needs to understand they have friends. Uh, you wouldn't think of it. Look at the U.N. It's amazing how many people have turned on them. You see these Democrats. You see these uh, protests in our streets uh, nonstop. You actually see them heckling the current president of the United States constantly. Twelve times they interrupted him. All we're hearing is the anti-Israeli, anti-Semitic behavior. Uh, this is a huge pushback with your huge show. Number one in New York City, the number one city in the world. You bring it over there. That's a huge pushback. So I, that is awesome that you're doing it. I appreciate that, buddy. Thank you. You know what it is, Brian? You know, we were here for 9-11, and, 
you know, I keep telling this story, but when I was uh, fired <laughs> and I had to move down to Florida, every year on 9-11, I would talk about that tragic day and I would make it very, very personal. And at one point, some listener called and said, you know, Sid, that was a tragic day for the whole country. And I was like, yes, sir, you're right. But, but the smoke came into my Chelsea apartment that day. I lived uh, less than two miles away from ground zero. Yeah. 3,000 people died in this city. Don't tell me it's not more personal to New Yorkers. Kind of the same thing yeah. here. I'm Jewish, and I've talked about this day for, for months, and you just get to the point where you got to be there, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And and I'm watching these. Uh, as why I always watch the U.N. international feed because we're up so early, uh, the CNN uh, so I'm listening to England, you know, they're taking all their correspondence with their little little uh, attitude towards Israel and the operations in Gaza. They should end up every report with why are they in Gaza? They had no interest in Gaza. They gave them money on a regular basis. The people of Gaza, whoever they are, are allowed to work in Israel, make a great living, treated with great respect and go back and forth. And they won and had the massacre that we didn't think could happen in this modern era that is the only reason why the IDF is in Gaza. And what about the 21 people that lost their lives, I think it was on Monday, uh, moving into Gaza in a more more targeted way because of the international pressure and because they're on the ground clearing building after building. 21 died in a building because they were easily targeted by what's left of Hamas. So understand, every report should be, by the way, the reason why the IDF is even in scrutiny is because of the attack that happened on October 7th and the 100-plus hostages who are still being tortured right now. Well said. By the way, 24 died that day. You're right, 21 in one building. You said international pressure. Let's make it real close to home, American pressure, which is really grotesque, if you ask me. All right, so uh, I want to get to Fox News. So, you know, I get asked all the time. I mean, every day, every day to do interviews across the street at Newsmax. And I've been saying no for almost a year. I've not been on that channel for almost a year. Other news outlets reach out to me because, I'm being honest, Brian, I am loyal to you guys. You know, for the wow. couple of times a year, you put me on One Nation, which I really love. I, it, it means a lot to me, or Jesse Waters. I am loyal to Fox News. So I had to hear Donald Trump beat the living daylights out of you, not you personally, but the, the, the network, for the last couple of years. And then, after you do this amazing interview with Trump a couple of days ago, now, the last couple of days, now I hear Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley doing the same thing. Seems to me like Fox News can't win. No question. And I'm, well, listen, you brought it up, but, I mean, people bring this up to me all the time now. They, you know, so on the couch with Haley basically saying, uh, you guys say this is over. This is basically the Trump network or people are saying behind the scenes. And I go, really? He goes, so I said, what do you expect tomorrow? He goes, well, it doesn't really matter. It's, uh, uh, whatever the results are, it's how you're going to spin it. Excuse me? Or lie about it. Lie about it? Really? So we, we, we lie about an 11 point loss? Wow. Are you kidding? And by the way, no one has gone out of her way. And I'm a, you know this, Sid. You're all over me for this. I like Nikki Haley. And you jump down my throat and you go, you got to be kidding Not me. Not just so Nikki Haley. Well, wait a second. You had a catch. And DeSantis. Yeah, you had a catch like Field of Dreams with Ron DeSantis. Yes. What is he talking about? So he said that. He said, why does Fox not hold Trump accountable? Really? Ask Trump. Trump says, what happened to Fox? I don't even recognize the network now. Uh, they don't even put me on. I'm listening to the Trump people I was with the other night. They said, you know, you don't even send a reporter to most of our events. I was like, okay, I don't really do the general assignment. Uh, so it is incredible how much they blame. But what a horrible thing in life 
to not know how to lose. I mean, could, does anyone lose with grace and do an honest assessment of their own performance? You know what they went stand up. When I was doing stand up, they said the first thing they said to me is don't ever blame the bombing on an audience. I don't care how small, how fatigued, yep. uh, how, whether it's all even a room of comics. If you don't do well, it is on you. Don't blame the room. And that was the first thing you learn is take, take, responsibility for the results you open it. if it's football you look at the film and you say what do i do different you know i don't care what the refs did i don't care you know what if your quarterback was hurt did you win or did you lose can we learn how to lose in this country and take personal responsibility no and of course i'll blame my friend for that donald trump because he still claims the 2020 election was rigged so of course it all started with donald and and that's fine but i got to tell you watching nikki haley on that couch with the three of you the other morning, if she says the word coronation one more time, now it's one thing to use that word before Iowa, right? We haven't even had a caucus yet, haven't had a primary yet. But she got humiliated in Iowa. She came in third, by the way, in New Hampshire, where she got about 40% more of independence in Trump and still lost by double digits. That was a humiliating loss. And early polls in South Carolina have it down by a much as 34 points she's about for the third straight time to suffer a humiliating loss how could that be a coronation when we've got results where she's getting battered listen rudy giuliani kids about the florida strategy that failed he said i'm not really going to do the first two events i'm going to meet you in florida it was the third event and by that time he was done uh marco rubio said it's going to be three two one i'm going to come in third in iowa second in new hampshire and i'm going to win in florida and he was it didn't happen you know he just said listen i i lost it's very interesting yeah it's true you deserve credit you were nowhere for the longest time people were like nikki haley what happened to her yeah she's just dis- dis- disappeared and what happened is she worked her way uh, up. She, uh, she didn't disappear. She, she stabbed Trump in the back is what she did. Right. And she walked but, out you know, of the White House remember, at the she's worst been time. Doing it for a year. Yeah. 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 She did it for a year. So, but just to come out and just say, listen, I lost by 11 of a double digits. I'm going to continue. But see, the biggest mistake was that speech yesterday. I said to myself, if she wants to continue on and think South Carolina polls, which were three months old, might be wrong. Okay. But just come out and say, uh, do the one thing with, you know, Trump's done a lot right. I think I'm better. I'm 30 years younger. I think I could turn the page. I could hold on to this seat for eight years. But instead, she went personally after Trump again. So where's the soft landing? Where's the bigger picture? Because if she wants to run again, and Trump's done in four years regardless. So if she wants to run again, she needs the Trump voter. So where's the strategy? Because when you go after Trump personally, doesn't anyone understand that? His his voters take it personally. They take it like, the, like Trump is a family member. They don't drudge him the same way. And whether you like that or not, Jamie Dimon nailed it last week. Stop insulting the people that follow Trump. They're important people in this country. They have a point of view. And you diminish them at your own risk. And she should know better. She's going after his mental ability yesterday. He makes mistakes in the third, in the the 80th minute of a 90-minute speech, most of which is ad-libbed. Joe Biden can't get through a 10-minute teleprompter. (laughs) That is a huge difference. And she had the nerve to say they're equally as bad a couple of days ago. And by the way, I'm one of those people. I love Trump so much that Nikki Haley has completely lost me. She lost me years ago when she stabbed him in the back and walked out. But I was willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. She's been disgraceful. And right now she's delusional and selfish. And quite frankly, 
She's an embarrassment. Brian Kilmeade here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. So Eric Adams delivers his State of the City address yesterday. And at one point during the speech, this is on, and I like Eric. You know I like Eric. I just saw him last week. At one point during the speech, he talks about the migrant crisis, the illegals, like he won. Like it's over. It was like Andrew Cuomo writing a book on how to, how to cure COVID, that whole issue. He goes, you know, listen, how did we do it? Well, we stuck to the grindstone. We worked really hard. How did we do it? This city is still a mess. What is he talking about, Brian? Help me. I, I don't know. I, I would, to me, I love what he said about social media, I, but I need a so plan I. after that. Yeah. I love that. But with the other thing is, you know, I would say I inherited a situation with the right to shelter and with the sanctuary city thing. And uh, I'm trying to desperately try to get out of it because this is unsustainable and this is what we're spending. And this is the people we're losing because the taxes are so high. And this is why we're in a deficit and things I got to cut. But to me, he says, I'm proud of what we've done. I'm not proud of what you've done. What, the stabbings at Randall's Island? Is this thing you're proud? You walk by the Roosevelt Hotel on the way to 34th Street? It is overwhelming. I mean, this is incredible. I mean, to me, I'd be taking the Joe. If I'm a Democrat, I'm taking the Joe Manchin stance. I'm saying this is a disaster. It needs to be taken care of. And this is a chance to separate yourself from Joe Biden because Joe Biden, like it, if he does win reelection, he's done. Nobody likes Joe Biden's policies. But the American people, you could be a Democrat and be smart on this. And Eric Adams only goes halfway on everything. And here is just I don't know who wrote that speech. Me either, but I can tell you this, it's too late, because I took Eric Adams to task on this show. He was on for a half hour two weeks ago. It's too late. He's already sent out his public support for Biden. I go, Eric, why would you do that? He's killing you. You always complain about the federal government, the national government. That's Joe Biden. Why would you offer up support? I'm not saying go out there and support Donald Trump. Same thing with bail reform. Don't go out there and tell Kathy Hochul you love her. I'm not saying go out there and, and support Lee Zeldin. But all these Democrat candidates that he is so quick to support, Biden three weeks ago says to me, unfortunately, that Eric Adams cares more about the party than he does the city. He's now done it twice with Hochul and Joe Biden. I know. I mean, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not really sure what's going on. Uh, I am stunned. He goes halfway in everything. The mayor of Chicago is way to the left. Eric Adams, everyone says you'll be surprised how conservative he is. Didn't know much about him. Uh, and he says some things that, you know, here at Fox News, people are going, wait a second, this could be a national story. But then the same the next day, he walks it back. And uh, Joe Biden has done nothing. I look, we, I don't know who's behind the FBI. <laughs> I, I mean, what's going on? remember the FBI took his phone, yes. walked up in the middle right after he criticized him. I mean, did is and now down now they're looking at uh, relations to Turkey. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's fascinating. About a minute and a half to go. I want to ask you about Jim Harbaugh, you know, but folks that don't follow sports closely, they're like, hey, wow, he can coach against his brother in the AFC championship game. Folks, folks, I don't want to ruin it for you. But 10 years ago, he coached against his brother. In the Super Bowl, he had Colin yep. Kaepernick and the Niners, and his brother John had Joe Flacco and the Ravens. Now John won that one, but look, this makes sense. Harbaugh always wanted to go back to his alma mater, Michigan. He went back. They were a perennial playoff team. Now he's won the national championship, so he's got a good young quarterback in Justin Herbert. The weather is gorgeous. He loves Los Angeles. Just makes a lot of sense for Harbaugh, and what are your thoughts on it? 
My thoughts are, uh, he's a winner. I love John Harbaugh, the most underrated great coach. Nobody ever talks about him. Even on their bad years, they're over 500. They rebuilt before your eyes with ever, without ever being bad. I mean, in New York, we, we don't even know what that could be possibly like. <laughs> that means he has an organization. It's not just him on the sideline. That's a constant evolving. I don't care if Wink Martindale's there one day. He's got a different new coordinator. They're still good. Ray Lewis is retires. They're still good. You know, they, they lose great players. They're still good. Uh, I know they got lucky with, uh, Lamar Jackson better than anyone thought, but, uh, they're still good when he gets hurt. They're still solid. And now I think he's there. I'll, the last thing I'll say about this is uh, Belichick is the most fascinating thing. Evidently, just see these stories that he doesn't want to coach in a major media market. Nope. He doesn't want the scrutiny. And no, no one's really interviewing him. Atlanta had interest. They might be walking away from him. You know, Tom Landry and Shula didn't look for other jobs. When they burnt out, they just left. Uh, you know, well, and people look at him well, and go, not, maybe not, he's the guy. Neither one yeah. of those guys really burnt out. I mean, neither one of those guys wanted to leave. Jimmy Johnson replaced both of those guys. Jimmy replaced Landry in Dallas, then Shula in Miami. And they allowed them to resign rather than tell the truth that they got fired. But both Landry and Shula were pissed off. And Jimmy Johnson took both of those jobs. Uh, but to your point, you're right. Atlanta has now interviewed Bill Belichick twice. And they do seem to be walking away. So while Jim Harbaugh gets a job in Los Angeles, maybe the greatest NFL coach of all time is still looking for work. It's fascinating. Good. But you do give as an owner, you give up a lot of power. And a lot of these owners say, really? I spent my whole life earning enough money to buy a team. And Bill Belichick doesn't want to see me. He walks by me in the hall, doesn't say hello. Uh, you know, you don't need to be Jerry Jones and, and make decisions on everybody. That That's intolerable. But they're looking around going, do I really want to give up power? And, and you know, that that's a tough thing. 70-year-old coach goes, no, this is the way I'm doing it. I, I, you know, it's a tough decision when the new model, according to Jay Glazer, he'll be on this Saturday too. He says to me, the new model is the young coach, a lot of emotion, much more positive. You know, the old screaming uh, Brian Dable thing, it's got to be modernized. They, they see what's happening with the Rams. They see what's happening with the Lions. Uh, they like what's happening with the Dolphins. These are young guys who come in with cerebrally, treat these uh, men like business people. And that seems to be in, uh, that seems to be the mode for success. All right, so you uh, snuck one in there. My dear friend Jay Glazer, who most folks don't know, but was actually my co-host for about a week and a half at 102.7 WNEWFM back in 2000 before he became wow. this big star on TV with Box and the NFL. He's a wonderful guy. Who else is coming up on your great show, One Nation, 9 p.m. on Fox News on Saturday nights? Jamie Lissau, the outstanding comedian, will do the news duel. And I know we have Eric Trump to lead off. Nice. And with Jay. So I'm still formulating what's going to be hot this week. I'm trying to figure out if uh, New Hampshire matters, like how much I'm doing 2024 or how much I should do the border. Uh, so we're trying to figure out a border angle because that is the hottest issue. But the hottest story remains 2024. Yeah. I mean, I would move away from New Hampshire. And start looking forward yeah. now to South Carolina. I had Nancy Mace on yesterday. It's, uh, you want to talk about fascinating? She's Nikki Haley's friend. Nikki Haley endorsed her. They're good friends. And she put out the most enthusiastic Donald Trump endorsement I've seen all week long. Same thing with Tim Scott. So all of Nikki Haley's buddies in her own state are saying, no, thank you. We want Trump. 
fast. It's going to be a fascinating few days. I got to stay away from it. You're right. Uh, but I will be talking about 2024. My problem is with South Carolina, it's five weeks away. I know. I know. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, what are we doing for five weeks? Yeah. Super Bowl. So, <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Hey, all hey, right, Jay, buddy. Have a great stay day. Stay healthy today. over there, right? I will. Thank you, Brian. I love you, pal. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you. There all he right, is, thanks. the great Brian Kilmeade. Follows me every weekday morning right here on WABC at 10 a.m. And, of course, Fox and Friends and One Nation on Fox News. Big, big show ahead, folks. That wraps up our number one. Three more hours of sitting friends on a Thursday about to come your way. In the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Dolph Lundgren's face, Drago, when he was looking up as Apollo Creed was coming down, shadow boxing, dressed in the red, white, and blue American flag, and James Brown was singing this song in Rocky Four, living in America. What a great scene. And then, of course, they put on that exhibition, if you will, that fight, and Apollo died in the ring, and that inspired Rocky to go to Russia. And, um, well, that's when Rocky basically jumped the shark. It, you know, three was, was good, but they started to lose it just a little with Clubber Lang. The first two were masterpieces. Three was still good, and once he got to four in Russia. But then it got good again, believe it or not, in uh, six, the movie Rocky Balboa. It's actually a really good movie. Anyway, welcome back, uh, sitting friends in the morning, 722 on your Thursday. Brian Kilmeade was great. Curtis is coming up, and thought about Curtis an awful lot yesterday. The icon, the legend, the great Curtis Sliwa. There's a great show every day, The Rip and Weed, hosts overnights on the weekends, and is on with me every day, and people love him. I mean, he's become a much bigger star now than ever. He can't even walk into a place like Michael's without being run over by all the all the uh, people having dinner there last night. And I thought about him yesterday because I'm watching the mayor, Eric Adams, deliver his third, the annual State of the City. And I was imagining Curtis standing up there, trying to figure out the differences. Eric Adams, really, and I understand it's like the State of the Union. It's one big pep rally, one big speech to tell folks how great things are. It's a lie. I was wondering if Curtis would be more honest if, in fact, he was there yesterday and the city 
was in the shape it is now. As he gets ready to run for mayor against either Eric Adams or Andrew Cuomo, who knows? Would you be different yesterday? Hell yes. What would you do differently? First off, that's where I started the Guardian Angels, the South Bronx, right? Uh, they had the staging uh, Hostos Community College, and then across the street, all the free booze and food you want to eat. I like it. From Fernando Mateo, the Bill de Blasio Republican, right? It's it's all synergistic. Are you guys still enemies, you and Fernando? Of course, of yeah, course, yeah. man. Uh, I crushed him in the Republican oh, primary. Oh, you killed him. And by the way, there are Republicans talking about running him again. Make my day. Make my did day. You wanna, just, did you just quote Dirty Harry? I want to crush him a second time. I want to crush him so bad that he goes, no mas, no mas. But let's get back to the staging. First of all, he comes out with this song. He's got all these videos. Well, it was the song, I believe it was uh, Jay-Z and Alicia Keys. Yeah. yeah it's, New on. York. It's so played out, right? It is? You don't need a song. No. The city is in... The worst situation it's been in years. Yeah. And he's acting like, oh, let's tiptoe through the tulips like t- Tiny Tim. I would have I would have given him a drug test. He, he's saying to everybody, oh, man, you know, things are so great. Mention the migrants all of a millisecond. Well, the he actually biggest said, issue he, in the city. He didn't mention it for long, but he actually said, and I seized on this with Kilmeade earlier, he was almost taking a victory lap like... Well, how'd you do it? Maybe this is on the news. Maybe it's afterwards. I don't know. But I heard him at some point yesterday somewhere say, listen, man, we, we kept grinding. We kept grinding. We got it done. What did you get done? Destroy the city by bringing in all these illegal aliens. You know where I was instead of Eric Adams and his $5,000 customized suit. By the way, the theme of blue-collar mayor for a blue-collar city. What blue-collar guy ever wears $5,000 customized suits, right? you got to be stupid to buy that propaganda. And then he goes, oh, and you praised him for this. He said, we gotta, we got to do a much better job with social media. Well, he's right about that. Well, uh, let, me, let me tell you. First By of the way, all, he's on social media all the time, but he's course. right about that. And it's lame, and you should see all the responses. I mean, <laughs> they kill him every day. They kill him. He, he, you compare his social media to mine, right? He's, he looks in the camera like like a dullard, right? like he's the captain of the Titanic saying, there's no iceberg ahead. Everything's great. Shut up. What are you talking about? And he'd be the first one to jump in the lifeboat. But anyway, the simplest thing he could do about social media is take the phones away from the kids in the public schools, like Bloomberg did. They come in, they check the phones into a bag. At the end of the school day, they get the phones. Because all they do all day in public school is they're on their phone, social networking, and threatening other kids. You're a cyberstalking. You're 100% right, and Bloomberg did do it. And who reversed it? Much like Joe Biden, that idiot, has reversed everything Donald Trump did well. The next idiot, Bill de Blasio, reversed it. If you're Eric Adams... Like Biden's trying to do? See, Biden is reversing Trump. Trump was good. If you're Adams, if you reverse Bill de Blasio, you're going to win. Because de Blasio was the guy who said, put those phones back in the classrooms. By the way, uh, sidebar on Bill de Blasio. Uh, clearly, Nancy is getting under his skin in Charlene. She's getting oh, close to good, the bank good. account. West Cayman Islands, Panama, or oh. Switzerland. He was on de Blasio with Suzanne Miller. He was screaming about that. What do people think? That I walked out with bags of money? He, it's, it's getting under his oh, skin. Hold on a second. You just said something very serious. Yes. I know Nancy is, I love Nancy, you know that. Are you telling me, you're intimating, I guess you're not saying it yet, that you know of monies that the Blasio has in all these foreign countries? 
Uh, you know this? One and a half billion dollars that we're tracing now. I know what's missing. I and know. He, he's screaming. He was on the podcast. I saw it. I saw it. He right. was screaming about that. Right. Now, why would he be screaming about that now? Because he knows we're getting close. Wow. He knows we're getting close. And Nancy will be joining me today on the Rip and Read to give you more details. The guy knows we're after him. But let's flip this script and get back to uh, not Eric Adams, who basically didn't even deal with the number one issue, the illegal alien invasion. We're let's, moving off of Eric Adams. Yeah, let's talk, if we can, sure. about you for a second. About me. Steve Borderman? Uh, the press, that's right, the pressure. <laughs> Steve Borderman, the rock and roll wannabe, who knew nothing about talk radio, right? And they had him as the general manager at WABC. But he was a good guy, people said. Yeah, good guy. Oh, you didn't like him either. Are you kidding? Am I the only person other than your children and Nancy that you actually like? Uh, don't, don't just assume that I like you. <laughs> Steve Borneman sucked. He knew nothing about talk radio. Secondly, I love the theme you played, I'm coming home to a place I belong, because for the first time, I ended up going to Michael's on Avenue or Nostrand Avenue. And you, and you saw both of my friends, Michael the son, oh, Freddie the father. The place went nuts. Imagine, he says, wow, this is the first time you've ever been here. He goes, I've been here 60 years. He goes, you're right. I always drove past it, but I was with the Fox film crew because we went to Floyd Bennett Field. And they wouldn't allow us in. You know, they got fences up. They got everything to keep you out. They won't allow you to put up a fence at the border. But they put up fences to keep us out from watching uh, how the illegal aliens are scamming us at taxpayers' expense. We go to Michael's. Everybody was going nuts. And they told me, they said, hey, we remember when Sid was here with the mayor. Nobody was getting excited about Eric Adams in this Oh, uh, That room. happens to be true. We were sitting in the very back. I would say two or three people walked over. But you know that Adams goes there a lot. A lot is probably a bit, but he's been there a bunch of times. And Michael and Freddie are good guys. They're nice to everybody. But I know because that's my area, Brooklyn, that's Nostrand Avenue and Avenue R. But whether it's the Brooklyn side of the, the Gil Hodges Bridge or the Queens side, I know you're a hero. I went to those rallies with you. I did the town hall with you in um, at the Columbus place in uh, Queens. You're a hero. So Wait. when you tell me you walk in, they go nuts. Wait. I believe it. You're going to have on Monsignor David Casado up next, right? Why don't you like him? He's a man of God. Wait, wait. I didn't say I didn't like him. Okay. We grew up together in Canarsie. He so grew what? up on you East also, 95th Street. You grew up with, with Anthony Carone, a bunch of Canarsie people, too. And you still yeah, but talk not the same. I went to his house every week with my mother, Francesca. Yeah. They played cards. And I was younger than uh, uh, Casado at that time. Well, who, wait a second. Oh, so Casado's mother. Yes. And your beautiful mom played yeah, cards. Yeah, played okay. cards once a week. And I could see that his mother was dealing off the bottom of the deck and cheating my mother, Francesca. No way. Absolutely. The old Richard Crenadiel, Flamingo Kid? Damn right. And my mom was so naive. I'm a little kid. It's your mom. She's taking the cards underneath the deck. And Casado acted like he didn't see nothing. And, and you, you ask him this question. They sent him to public school first, like uh, right near East 95th in Canarsie, and the teachers, the Jewish teachers, gave him a menorah to bring home. And he goes, Mom, does this mean I'm Jewish? They transferred him to Holy Family School the very next day. Is that true? That's right. In second grade, he's writing the composition book, you know, you put on top, oh. JMJ, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And the nuns had conscripted him into the priesthood. Me, I told him, no, you can forget being a priest. So he was on his way to being a priest. He went to St. John's Prep, Prep, which was my enemy school. I went to Brooklyn Prep, Cathedral College. You know the rest of the story. And I got a beef. With Monsignor Casado, right? 
Obviously. He was retiring after 50 years. They yeah. had the big spread at El Karib. Did I get invited? Why? Because little Nick Nick Carrazzo used to be the silent owner there and paid off Michael Leonardi for shooting me five times with hollow point bullets. Are you naming mobsters in the same sentence as a man of God? Well, let's face it. Who does the funerals for the mobsters <laughs> yeah, yeah. joking, so, joking somebody, on their lives? Good point. Somebody's got to do them. And you ask, Monsignor Cassano. I'm not going to ask him in anything. In March of 2022, no. when, uh, when some emotionally disturbed person uh, just ruined the crucifix at St. Athanasius that he was the pastor at. Who came to protect the community and try to find the fiend Let me guess. This? Let me guess. It was you. Curtis Lee and the Guardian Angels. Well, I don't remember Casado, uh, actually, now that you mention it. I love Casado. I'm not like you. I, I love him. Uh, but I don't remember him, uh, and maybe I just missed it, going crazy when during the summer of BLM, no, Those no animals, he did not. He did not. They wrote all over St. Patrick's Cathedral. No, no, but I got to tell you, he, he's a stand-up guy when it comes to that. He's not like, I'm not going to mention other names of Monsignores. I know who you're talking who, about. Who buck and bow <laughs> and it's all, uh, Eric Adams. So you do like Casado. Oh, I like Casado a lot, yeah. but ask him the question. Oh, well, you know what's funny about him? When he delivered that eulogy for Esposito at St. Patrick's, I looked over at Peter King and Bo Deedle, I said, this guy's an unbelievable monsignor. Hey, he delivered the eulogy but, for my mother and my father. Well, there you go. St. Patrick's Cathedral. But he could have easily been a cast member in The Sopranos. Absolutely. <laughs> but you ask him this question. He's going to public school in Canarsie. He brings a menorah home from the Jewish teachers. He asks his mom and dad, does this mean I'm Jewish? <laughs> they transferred him the well, very next day to Holy Family. Well, you know, it's, uh, now that you mention that, I always make it about me. Same story. About uh, the end of the 10th grade, and my father had been spending thousands and thousands on poly prep, and I was getting lousy grades because I was hanging out with, you know, uh, the, the supreme cuisine. Oh, of course. So my mother goes, she goes, and you know, Harvey, he doesn't have one friend, not one friend who doesn't have a vowel at the end of their last exactly. name. Now, now, keep in mind, the Iovines are our next door neighbors. Lewis and Gloria. Lewis's father was a consigliere. They related to the, to the gallows, Kid Blast. So we love Italians. She's like, every one of his friends. And they sent me to a yeshiva, very similar to the Casado story. Now, Except he became a priest, and, uh, well, I became whatever this is. Uh, before you go off as the new King David, as you do Alia for the very first time to Israel, maybe you won't come back and I can do the morning show. I mean, you, you'll discover you your true calling, right? That's all I care about, right? But you said, they put in the press release, uh, our parent company, Red Apple Media, that you are carrying our message for world peace. Are you kidding? You were the first one to say, kill them all and let Allah sort them out. Right That's or true. wrong? But I still build the same one. All right. <laughs> so what is this? And then you, you, you spew this. Oh, the more you do it, the better you get in talk radio. Do you know how many hosts and hostesses have oh, been wait. doing this for years? You're right. And they suck? You're right. No, no, they don't. You will get better, but you'll never be great unless you're born with it. You were born with it, okay? I was born with it. A lot of guys do get better, but they never get Well, great. let me tell you why they don't get better. Because they don't work it. They mail it in. They do talk TV on the radio. Oh, I know. 
And I know. they play 5,000, 10,000 cuts, cuts from Paul or, TV. If you're playing uh, 30 cuts a show or or if you're taking 30 phone calls. Of the same and people. And you're not on the fan. Right. The right. same people and, calling over and over right, and over. Then you're not really, you're not doing a great show, bottom line. So you're different, I'm different, but people will get better, but they'll never be Curtis Sleewell. The more great. you do it, the better you get. Yeah. I disagree with you. I know so many hosts and hostesses. It's actually worse when they first start. Because they believe. Leave their own nonsense. Yeah, I've cut two. Hut, hut, cut 44. Hut, 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 cut 52. And by the way, now, as the new King David, hopefully you will do Aliyah in Israel and you won't come back so I can do the morning show and the righteous Gentile can take over. You must take Danielle, your son and your daughter to the Dead Sea, which is the lowest spot in the world. To the west, you have Jordan. To the east, you have uh, the West Bank. You got to dive in there. There's ten times more salt than in the Mediterranean Sea. And you know, hey schmucks, Hamas lovers, and Houthi uh, took his kisses. The river that bleeds right into the Dead Sea, the Jordan River, you idiots, into the Mediterranean Sea, not the Red Sea. And you, even if you can't swim. You will float in the Dead Sea because it's all salt. The Russians, they love it. They dive in. They do backflips. I dived in there. I was sick for two days from all that salt. It was like my high blood pressure was up 238 over 138. But you get the mud. Tell your wife, Danielle, they say that the mud has hermetic powers. It's Hashem's influence. You smear it all over your body. And it's like you're brand new. Forget the Botox. Forget the eye lift. Forget all the other surgical quads. Just take a bath in the mud of the Dead Sea. And even if you're a righteous Gentile, you'll feel like a Jew. Do your Aliyah in Israel, sin. I'll call you from time to time on the morning show to see how you're doing. Oh, please, sin, stay there. You need to stay there now that you've discovered you're a son of Israel. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
Another great song, Lou Rufino, the psychedelic furry, 746, still raining on this Thursday. You know, Bill O'Reilly's morning message today, great as always, and he'll join us in an hour as he does every Thursday morning. It is the highest rated segment of the week, any time, any place, any show on this station. It's a... It's a huge ratings deal, Rosenberg and O'Reilly. He's coming up. And he said that he'd like to see Trump, or he thinks Trump should at the very least, debate Nikki Haley. I find that interesting. To me, Nikki Haley's become a bug, an annoying bug. I just want to swat her. I want to swat her like a mosquito. I want to shut that lady up. My God, she's a traitor. The one thing that O'Reilly said there, which was right, is at this point, She's working for Biden. Right, you're a Republican. Trump is clearly going to be the nominee. And by the way, it's been that way for nine months, you morons. And you're out there, you're still, you're still criticizing Trump? She works for Biden. That makes her a double agent. She's got to go. Debate her. <laughs> a double agent. Let, let me debate her. Let me talk to Nikki, baby. Come on, baby. Come on this show. <laughs> Give me 10 minutes. You think you're so tough, Nikki. You're so tough. Give me 10 minutes. I'll need to go see Casado after I'm done with her. Trust me. I'm Jewish. I'll still go to confessional. Uh, that comes in handy. Good. <laughs> yeah. What I would do to her, I'd have to go to prison. Uh, righty. All right. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Hey, Sid, it's Elvis Duran over at Z100. We want to thank you for representing New York City as you travel to Israel. Spread the word of peace and be safe. Monsignor David Casado momentarily um, out of the corner of my eyes. So I beg you guys to shut off MSNBC. While I hate these people, I hate them. I'm sorry the Monsignor is on hold and hate is a bad word, I guess, in the church. I don't know. Shul also. But I hate these people. I hate Joe. I hate Mika. And now they've got this um, Kevin Bacon on. And, and I love Kevin Bacon. He, you know, footloose and... What was that movie where Jack Nicholson yelled at everybody, you can't handle the truth? Few good men. Yeah. Well, Bacon, Bacon's made a million good movies, and he's married to this uh, Kira Sedgwick. <laughs> now you can tell the way you said it, this Kira Sedgwick. Yeah, this one. So, you know, they lost a ton of money to Bernie Madoff. Did you know that? Uh, I didn't know that. A ton, that, millions no. and millions of dollars, Bacon and Sedgwick. Oh, nice. And they did an interview, and, they, and the, the interviewer asked him, hey, how did you get through that? You know, because... Listen, folks, you know, you just heard the uh, Julian Gentili commercial for divorce. 
People break up because of money, you know, and they stick around because of kids usually. And they said, uh, the interviewer said, hey, Kevin, hey, Kira, how'd you work it out? And I swear to God, you know what their answer was? Sex. Good. We just had tons of sex. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I love him. Now he's on MSNBC. I hate him. Look at how much sex he has. Well, maybe you should start a dance party on MSNBC. That's what that'll get it going. <laughs> yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Why do these people do stuff like that? Like, I love Footloose. I love Kevin Bacon. I see him on the channel. I can never watch him again. That's it. It's over. Well, okay. Well, we'll have to de deprocess you. You got to keep people as they are. You no, I know. Them. You know I do. You know I still watch the Nero. I still listen to Streisand. Spring, I don't like Springsteen. Well, I love it. Bruce Wright. So yes, I, I, I no. usually don't allow this stuff to bother me, but. As I'm getting closer to the election, I guess I'm getting more sensitive. Like, if I find out Casado is on the phone right now as a Biden guy, he's never coming back again. I don't care how much he loves God. All right. You haven't spoke spoke two seconds to him. Why don't you, why don't you just argue with myself again? <laughs> you're, making, you're making a four argument. Right, Father, I apologize. Fine. <laughs> I will take a break. We'll come back and talk to the mics. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Like a prayer by Madonna. So, you know, um, last year I went to La Sorrentina. La Sorrentina, I go every week. It's a uh, very popular Italian restaurant right in my neighborhood, right on 129. You go there, Lou. And I love the father, John Mazzola, and uh, his son, Joseph, is one of my best friends in the neighborhood. He's a lovely guy. love him. And last year I went and um, I saw Joe Esposito there. I saw him there a couple of times. And he was hanging out with uh, Judge Patricia Domingo. You know, she's uh, one of those hot bench judges. She's been on the show many times. Staten Island girl, I love her. And Monsignor David Casado. I didn't know him. And, uh, well, they had karaoke that night. My kids sang and they danced. And and uh, this Monsignor, very handsome, you know, white hair and, you know, speaks very, very well. And he's dancing. And I'm like, look at this guy. The Monsignor's like a regular guy. Good looking, he's dancing, I loved him. And then I didn't really see him uh, for a long time, I'm told him. And then when I went to Joe Esposito's mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral last week with Bo Deedle and Peter King, and uh, anybody who is an important New Yorker was there, they were all there. The uh, the Monsignor delivered uh, an, a eulogy that was absolutely perfect. It was great. I mean, the mayor was great that day, he was. Eddie Caban was great, Joe's daughters were magnificent, but I thought Casado stole the show. So here he is making his debut on Sid and Friends in the Morning 
beloved Monsignor David Casado. Good morning, uh, Monsignor. How are you, pal? Good morning. It's great to be on the the show with you. I've been getting calls all morning from my friends saying you're going to be on Sid. It's a it's a great honor to be with you. I think some of you need to go to confession though. There, there's a lot of stories I heard in the last half hour. It <laughs> needs, needs to be a confession. So uh, your Lent is coming. I'll be around. I'll be around a lot. So if you need it, I'm here. Well, you say you'll be around a lot, but I remember and Curtis brought this up. The El Carib party. In fact, when I saw you that night, La Sorrentina was kind of a pre-retirement party. You know, you're getting like a uh, Brett Favre and Mike. Francesa, are you retiring? Are you still playing? What's the deal? <laughs> uh, I'm still playing, but the, the thing is, I retired from being the pastor, meaning you know, give somebody else a chance in in running the show. Uh, I still do a lot of work. I'm still the police chaplain. I'm still the vicar for Catholic schools in Brooklyn and Queens, and I'm still the director of the Italian apostolate. That's why I go to La Sorrentina to keep my Italian flavor going. Oh, I love that. So listen, Curtis told me earlier he's on every day and, uh, he, you know, he grew up in Canarsie with you and you went God's way and, well, he didn't, but he's still a terrific guy. Uh, and he said that there was a time when Monsignor Casado was almost a Jew. Is there any truth to that? There, well, the story is I went to public school for kindergarten and I came home with a menorah at Christmas time. This is back in the 50s. I had Miss Kaplan and Miss Abramowitz as my teacher. <laughs> and uh, I came home with it, and I said to my father, why aren't we Jewish? <laughs> and he said, you're going to the Catholic school tomorrow. Uh, you know what's funny about that is I grew up in Brooklyn in the 1970s, and I'm Jewish, and I loved, I idolized, I still do John Travolta and his character Tony Monero in Saturday Night Beaver. So I went home and I said, why aren't we Italian? And I was mad at my parents for years in fact, I went to Poly Prep, and every one of my friends to this day, Joe Tacopino, Arthur Rydala, Danny Pagliano, they're all Italian. So they said to me, now you're going to Yeshiva. And I went to Solomon Schechter. But on a serious note, talking about Italians and Jews, as I get set to go to Israel on Saturday, Monsignor, the thing that really warms my heart is it's easy for the Jewish people uh, to feel victimized after October the 7th. But what I've seen is a tremendous amount, tremendous amount of non-Jews, Christians, who have uh, stood beside me in my fight against Hamas and standing up for the Israeli people. That, I must tell you, Monsignor, warms my heart every bit as much, if not more, than the Jews. I must say I agree with you, Ed, and we need to really pray for an end of this whole terrorism, this Hamas. It's, 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 it's just evil. It's evil, and we got to pray. I, I really and truly, every morning when I start the Mass, I say we pray for peace, for peace in this world, an end of all this craziness. People have to come together and respect each other and love each other and show that love. I'm, I'm praying for your successful trip when you leave on Saturday. Well, thank you for that, Monsignor. I appreciate that. And, you know, talking about prayers again, I, I did mention when I introduced you just moments ago the beautiful eulogy you delivered for our mutual friend, uh, Joe Esposito, who did pass away a couple of weeks ago. And it was a tremendous loss for the NYPD, for New York, and for people like us who are actually his friends. You were very, very close with Mr. Esposito. What do you want to say to his family listening right now? I just got to tell you, I pray. 
I'm going to get upset. I pray for Joe Sorry. every day. He touched my heart. Yeah. He touched the heart of so many people in this city. That cathedral was packed because everyone in that cathedral he did good things for. You know, the, the gospel I chose was the last judgment. Whatever you do for the least, you do to me. He did great things, good things for everyone. And it hurts my heart that he's gone, but I know he's together with his wife, Bella, in heaven, and they're at peace together. Tell me about the, uh, that was beautiful again. You are just an amazing guy, Monsignor David Casado. A lot of criticism out there, Monsignor, about the Catholic Church. I got to tell you, even Jews, uh, you know, not very happy. Christians, yes, but Catholics as a whole haven't exactly stepped up. Even the Pope went out there and started talking about the Palestinians. And I hate to tell you, as a Jew, we don't want to hear about them. So, uh, uh, and that's just one of the criticisms, the, the reaction to Israel. There's others, as you know, that we're not going to get into. But what about uh, your opinion on the criticisms of the Catholic Church? Well, the, the church has had its faults, and as as every kind of institution, and we try very hard to correct them. We try very hard to work with people, all people, and it, it, it causes sometimes the conflicts. We're, we're we're trying our best to clear up all those issues that have surrounded us for for years. We work at it. We pray, and we try to do good. There's an Italian expression, "Fa bene." Do good and forget about it. Do bad and think about it. Hmm. And uh, we're trying our best as a church. And, you know, there's a lot of issues in the church, too, that we work on every day. No, I know that. I mean, it was uh, kind of an ongoing joke, what happened with kids in the church. And it's been a really, really long time to... To credit the church, to, uh, you know, to stop all that nonsense. And to this day, people still make jokes about altar boys and all that, and it does bother me. I do want to ask you, though, about uh, people, people in general, right? Because here you are delivering a message every day. You're still out there every day as a pastor, uh, showing up at places like St. Patrick's Cathedral. I'm sure you still do confessionals as well. And um, people, for the most part, are good. But I think if you ask the average person on the street of New York, Monsignor of New York about people, they're not going to have a very glowing picture. Seems to be that people are down on people these days because, quite frankly, if you watch the news every day, people are doing things, not just in Israel, but even here, that are absolutely inhumane. What are your thoughts on people in general? The thing is, I really find a lot of good people. It, you know, the, the big press gets all the negative stuff, but there's tremendous amounts of very good, real people that touch each other really in a fine way. I look at it you know, like as a, as a priest. I see such wonderful things happening. You know, people going out and feeding, you know, the homeless. People going out and trying to help others in different ways. The door of the rectory is constantly open, and people come in, and and they're always there looking to help others. You know, it's, it's maybe... A lot of people get negative because of certain issues that come up. All you hear are negative things in the press. Very rarely do you hear good news. And and I think that's a very interesting thing, Sid. You know, I, I think the barometer on people is much better than we realize. Yesterday, I went to the Calvary Hospital at the 
the old Lutheran hospital. And I went in there and going into that place and seeing the goodness of people taking care of people was absolutely touching. And, you know, uh, it, it, it was a very beautiful experience. And to visit a person dying and know that there were wonderful people in that program helping him in his final stages. That is beautiful. You know, I want to talk to you about God for a second, Monsignor. So That would be good. That yeah, would be good. Yeah, and, and I'm going to have a very honest conversation with you, and, and, um, and I think you'll appreciate it. So... Uh, though I grew up, uh, you know, a little boy, Jewish little boy, and I went to shul and the temple, and my father was a very conservative to orthodox Jew, so we had a lot of religion in our house. I went not to one, but to two different yeshivas, Ocean Primary School, as a little boy, and then eventually Solomon Schechter High School. But I have to tell you, I ended up um, going through some difficult times with drugs and alcohol and had to go to rehab not once but twice. And how the program works is pretty simple, Monsignor. The first step is we're powerless, right? We've come to the realization that uh, one drink can uh, can lead to death, insanity, all kinds of horrible things. One bet, one sexual encounter, one drug, it's all the same. Once you get past that first step, which I always was able to do, then you got to the the power part, the the higher power part, you know. And I remember the first time I sat down with my drug counselor at a place in Warnersville, Pennsylvania, and he said, Sid, why are you having such a hard time with the second and third step? God, I said, because I'm not sure there is one. Now, you have to understand, this was not long after my second rehab stay after 9-11. And I said, I don't get it. You explain to me how God allows planes to hit a building. You know, how God allows some guy to blow up a federal building in Oklahoma City that wiped out little kids. Look what these young girls are going through right now. They're getting raped as we speak in a tunnel in Gaza. What do you mean, God? You're telling me God is only good when I throw five touchdowns? And he said to me, he said, look, evil people take back their own will and do evil things. And that wasn't good enough for me. I said, no, I'm not buying it. It wasn't until my father was in a coma. And I was driving through the hills of North Carolina, and I saw a a um, a billboard with Jesus on it. And I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the billboard, and I said, Jesus, whether you're my God or not, my father's about to die. Help me. And my father, against all medical odds, came out of that coma. And he survived another eight years. And I believed in God at that point. But I have to tell you, for a long time, Monsignor, horrible things are still going on. How do you explain that if God is altogether good? There's always going to be evil because of the choice. Everybody has choices. And the whole point is good has to conquer the evil. Your belief, my belief, helps to conquer the evil. And it's it's such a, a hard thing to understand. You know, there's a book written by a rabbi, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, and it really takes on the question of of suffering. You know, when when I was with Espo those last days uh, and going to the to the hospital to visit him, it was such a struggle to understand, you know, this good, good man, this good man had such suffering. And it it caused a lot of, you know, conflict within myself, you know, saying, please, God, give him peace. And, and you know, you go through that. that that's, that's life, as they say. You know, that's life, my friend. And, and, and life has 
all sides. It has the good and sometimes the struggles. And that's why you need faith. The only way you can walk through all this stuff, this suffering in life, is with faith you know, in God. And, and you, know, you, you felt that. You felt that yourself. You know, that, that moment when you had that encounter and you prayed and your father lived eight more years. Yeah. Yeah. Those, 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 I mean, I could tell you stories in my own life. Sure. My father, my father too. I could, well, we'll maybe we'll save that for another day. Well, I'll tell you this, though, in the final 60 seconds, you were uh, great this morning. I knew you'd be great. I'm not surprised. But um, on the way out, would you agree then that it is time for government and other bodies to stop messing with the church, a temple, whatever it is, religion in schools, that part of the reason why this race, this human race, part of the reason why this human race has gone astray, if you will, is the lack of religion. Yes? Oh, I give it 100% agree. And you know what? I think a lot of things would change if if we return to a, a practice of religion. I'm Catholic, but practicing your religion. Uh, you know, I always use the expression, I leave you with this, Sid, families that pray together stay together. I'm a firm believer in that. I said it in the schools when I was at St. Athanasius. I said it every day with the kids. Families that pray together stay together. God bless you, and thank you for this opportunity. God bless you. Thank you for all the great that you do. So many people love you, Monsignor, including me. So keep talking, and uh, thank you so much. We'll do this again very soon. God bless. Anytime. God bless you. Take care. There he is, Monsignor David Casado. That's a special man right there. Thank you very much for that. Still to come this hour, talking about special men, the great Bill O'Reilly. Sid on a Thursday with Madonna. Keep it right here. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Jim Harbaugh is going to take the head coaching job with the Los Angeles Chargers. He's leaving Ann Arbor, Michigan, finally. He is going to the NFL. He is getting a deal done with the Chargers that they are in the process of finalizing. He will be the new head man in Los Angeles with Justin Herbert as his quarterback. And you look back on all the things that he did at Michigan, an 89-25 and 25 record, a 40-3 and three record in the last three years, three straight Big Ten titles, the AP Coach of the Year, and, of course, 2023 national champions. But Jim Harbaugh essentially is now headed out, and he's going to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers were trying to get this deal done before he would go to Atlanta to visit the Falcons, who also were interested. And now this leaves four other vacancies. And it leaves one in Atlanta, where the Falcons met with Mike Vrabel, where they've met with Bill Belichick. But Michigan now has an opening. They have a gaping hole there with a man who had changed the culture, now going to be leaving Ann Arbor to take the job with the Chargers.
Well, no departure here from the Nikki Haley, Donald Trump, Eric Adams sit to Israel talk. And that was Adam Schefter, information man at ESPN. If he sounds excited about Harbaugh and Michigan, I can tell you why that's the case. He actually roomed with my cousin, my cousin John Robbins at the University of Michigan. Sheppy is a Wolverine. So he um, he's always very excited when he talks Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. And um, well, I don't like him anymore, so it's a whole other story. But you want to hear it? How does Sid Rosenberg, how am I not friends with the number one NFL information man in the world? Which he is at ESPN, to his credit. Why do I think now he's an ass? Because he hasn't answered your... Uh... No, worse. Oh. So he was... Um, Forgot where he was. Oh, the NFL Network. He was. I don't know. He was. No. He was. A no, no big deal. No big name. I thought I had it. And I was down in Miami, and um, I had him on one time, and I loved him. Jewish kid, Michigan, the whole thing, you know. And I said, Hey, Adam, what do you think about coming on the show every week? We'll pay you. And he said, uh, Sure, that'd be great. More exposure, need the money. He wasn't Mister ESPN just yet, you know. And uh, put him on. He was great, by the way. He was a great guest. Only one time he was a bit of a douchebag, and that was, I had no idea, but uh, the NFL was playing on 9-11. And I said to Adam, I said, you know, maybe they shouldn't play on 9-11. What are your thoughts? I didn't know when I asked him that. He actually married a lady whose husband was killed in the World Trade Center. Did you know that? So so he he's like, a, we he, don't talk about that day. Okay, so he was the second husband. Became her second husband. Correct. Okay. And she had a child wow. who loves him. And they all thought, now since then, him and this woman have had their own child, maybe children. I don't know. Wow. But he acted like such a jerk. Like, we don't talk about that day. I'm like, hey, Adam, calm down. Oh, that's what he said. Yeah, calm down. I talk about that day. If, 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 if you're that sensitive, it was the wife's husband, not yours. Right. But I moved on. I moved on. So long story short. Just explained it to you in a yeah, calm he, way. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. He came what... out like a house on fire. I should have known right there he had, he had some mental issues. <laughs> so um, I'm working for a station in Palm Beach that basically it was like a uh, a cup and a string. You've heard the stories. Pete Morgan wasn't lying. We didn't have across the glass like with you and Justin right now. We had one room. And in that room was me, my board op, Eric Langell, my producer, Steve Zemak. One room. The place was a joke. It was a joke. Now, as it turned out, it was a conduit for me to get my job here. So I'll always be grateful to Steve Lapper and 640 Sports. But the place was a joke. And um, they went bankrupt. Now, I got to go to the Super Bowl, the only one ever in New Jersey. It was when Peyton Manning and the Broncos played... um, who was it? Uh, was it Seattle? Were they? Yeah, Seattle. And it was in New Jersey. But I'll never forget the night. I filled in for Sean Landetta at the casino by Kennedy Airport. He did a show every week with uh, Mark Malusis, and they paid me two grand to fill in for Sean Landetta. And I did the show at Malusis on the Super Bowl that night. It was 72 degrees. In New York. That's the one where the first play snapped to Peyton and it went yes. over his head or something. Yes, like, okay. and they got killed. They, yeah, they got, got killed. It was weird, crazy. Rainy, 72 degrees, and I'm at some, uh, what's the name of that casino by Kennedy? Uh, um, they got it in the Bahamas. It's all over the yeah, Crystal uh, Resort, something resort. Uh, what is it? Something resort. I forgot. It doesn't matter. It's right by Aqueduct, right? By Aqueduct. Yeah. That's right, yes. So anyway, so I got to go to New York for the weekend, and my station's bankrupt. They're not paying me. 
In fact, when I saw Mark Chernoff at Radio Row, he was like, are you okay? I'm like, no, Mark, I'm not okay. Want me to be really honest on the radio? Danielle was ready to leave. I couldn't pay a bill. This happened for months. It was my only income. I didn't have another job. I did not receive a paycheck from that ownership group for three months. But they promised me, Sid, when it's over, we'll give you back all the money we owe you. Which, by the way, they did. And it wasn't like I had a leverage back then. Not like now. I've got all the leverage in the world. Back then, I had none. No one wanted me. So I had to stick around. Took my lumps, as Pete Morgan just texted me. So Schefter was on every week and getting paid. And we couldn't pay him. So he gave me such business. I go, hey, Adam, deuce face, you're working for ESPN. Got like a seven-figure salary. Maybe he was making a half a million. Whatever it was, he was doing fine. He didn't need the $6,000 for my stupid radio station. I haven't gotten paid in months. I'm crying, literally, fighting with Danielle, fighting with management. Didn't know what to do. I was like, I got two kids, and he's yelling at me. Where's my money? <laughs> I'm like, Adam, go up yourself. Go. Swear to God. I go, you you, <laughs> go you have a set of balls, you mother effer. When you were nobody at that stupid NFL network, I put you on. Now you're a big deal. And he is. He's on every two seconds on ESPN. You would think he's, you know, he's, he's about to uh, you know, come up with world peace because he's got information on some stupid NFL free agent. So what? <laughs> no, they make it a big deal. Oh, they make deal. him like he's, you know, like uh, uh, Kissinger. God rest his soul. <laughs> But he was such an asshole at the time I needed him to be a good friend. Every other person who was coming on and getting paid, none of them made a big deal. None of them. Oh, Sid, we feel bad for you. Can I give you money, they said to me. Can I help you? This guy was unbelievable. So just remember that story where all you sports lovers out there, when you see Adam Schefter on TV. <laughs> My life was horrible. And he couldn't give a rat's ass. By the way, never got paid. Right. And he ain't going to be never getting paid. Right. Yeah. It's his fault for what's gone on now. That's it. All his fault. Responsible. So. Yeah. So that's my uh, Schefter story. It's, it was very uh, revealing. Yes, yeah. It was. I have great stories, don't I? Do. And we get to the Justin story now? Is that Well, Justin is another guy. He had no life. <laughs> I mean, he had no life. <laughs> Justin just wants to kill me. That guy running the board on the weekends. I mean, you couldn't. You know, Joseph Abood said something nice. He threw a ticket tape parade. <laughs> now the guy's going to Israel for free. He's producing the biggest show in America. I usually go to Israel for free. <laughs> <laughs> My parents just pay for it. <laughs> Pretty good point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever paid for a trip to Israel, actually. <laughs> I don't think I'm not doing anything big for the guy at all. So far, the story's yeah. going nowhere. Right? Going back in July, actually. I well, he just kind of killed it right there. <laughs> and I'm going to kill it even worse because, to Justin's credit, unlike a person like Schefter, He's appreciative. Thanks me all the time. Yes. That's all I ask for is if I've done something for you, I don't need it. Well, maybe I do. Yeah. Just, just, just. Yeah, you know, you do. You but do. It's, I mean it every time. Just yeah. act like, and he does. He's so appreciative. Every, ever since I started on the show, you've done everything, everything, really everything for me here. So. Yeah. yeah well, I taught you a lot. Yeah. yeah. 
You are really dumb. Don't go well, too you've, far. Well, you've also made me a little bit dumber, but, uh, I think. I think you've made me, I think you've made no. me dumber, but I'm more... No, what are you laughing at? Like, you know, like, like other aspects of my other aspects of my intellect have, have yeah. elevated, whereas, like, my, well, I think my overall no, 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 intellect no, 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 has just just, just just when I think that maybe you've gotten a little smarter, right. Lou plays, like, 30 seconds of you and Eric Salas on that... Uh, that horrible podcast you guys right, do. Well, that promo's like eight years old, but other than that. See, he's gotten better since the eight years. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to play it anymore, Joe. <laughs> How dare you! Thank God. And informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. So here's the thing with me, I bet you ask, but I don't like flying. But I'm not John Madden. John Madden wouldn't go on an airplane. He had a big van. He traveled across the country. You know, some people won't travel because they're definitely afraid. I don't like flying because I just don't understand how that works. It makes no sense to me. I know the Wright brothers figured it out. We fly and go everywhere, but this big thing, this big heavy thing goes up in the air and stays there. I just don't get it. So I don't like it. (laughs) It's one thing to fly from here to Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood International Airport. That's about two and a half hours. This uh, flight coming up on Saturday, direct El Al. From Kennedy to Tel Aviv is like 11 hours. And the last time I did that, we were going to Hawaii. You remember that, uh, Justin? Yeah. Got a little uh, timeshare there. Mm-hmm. Kona, the big island. First time we went, we stopped in Los Angeles. We broke up the flight. It was about five hours to L.A., then another five or six to Hawaii. It was brutal, terrible. And I'm like, I can't keep doing that. It was during COVID, mind you. So we took it straight back. Direct flight from Honolulu to LaGuardia, it took us 11 hours, and it was brutal. How to wear a mask. Thank God those days are over. But here's the thing. I don't drink, and I don't do drugs. So I can't just, like a lot of you guys, like you two probably take like 10 Xanax and have 19 drinks. and uh, Nine, but yes. Well, you drink a little bit, but you don't sleep either, so that's another thing. No, you... I try to sleep, but my neck hurts. <laughs> That's the thing you should do is sleep. Yeah, I mean, I get claustrophobic. You know, one time I, I I keep seeing these people walk on the plane with these, uh, these like, pillows they put up behind their neck. You ever see these things? Yeah, they don't work. They wear them when they actually go up to, to board the plane. They couldn't look dumber. Well, ha- everybody wears them the wrong way. You're supposed to wear them. Well, I don't know, like but I said, let me try it because my neck yeah. always hurts, you know. And then I tried it, and I couldn't move my neck for two weeks instead of one. So Nothing works. No. So I'm, like, terrified of this flight. on, And I'm flying alone yeah. because you, Justin, this is kind of weird, but you'll be flying with my wife and my son as if you were me on Sunday. 
You're Mr. Rosenberg on Sunday. Yeah, I guess. Don't touch her. Your, your wife? <laughs> well, yeah, you're traveling with Danielle and Gabe. Why would I, what, uh, yeah, okay. And I'm going to be on the on a flight like nine hours before. Yeah. Well, Probably what? flying first class and not telling anybody. Let me read this. Uh, you're doing what? <laughs> how, how the heck did that, that work that's out? Why he's, yeah, yeah, that's, out. Why, that's why he's flying separately. It probably is. <laughs> so yesterday they uh, sent out the press release. It's a really good job here. 77 WABC morning host Sid Rosenberg, that's me. The broadcast live from Israel. The includes visits to sites of the Nova Music Festival and the Kibbutzim down south, which is all to the Gaza border. I liked, uh, I loved John Katzmatidis' quote. He said, WABC Radio is guided by the principles of fairness, common sense, and truth. Our hearts go out to Jews around the world as well as innocent civilians who have lost their lives during these attacks initiated by terrorist groups on October the 7th, which hurt all people in the Middle East. Many Israelis and Palestinians were trying to work together until Hamas created this chaos. While there have been other attacks over the past 20 years, this is the most significant. Sid is carrying 77 WABC's message for world peace. That's a great statement from John Katzmatidis. Chad Lopez, my man. He goes on to say, like all Americans and people around the world, we are distraught by the actions taken against Israel. Sid is making a noble journey, and 77 WABC listeners in New York and around the world will tune in as he shares his experience. And finally, my statement was, I'm in awe of the strength of the Israeli people. It is with great reverence that I make this trip to honor those who were killed tortured, and are still being held hostage. That number, by the way, about 136. Girls are being raped every day. I am proud that John Katzmatidis and WABC Radio support this important mission. So, This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. Oh, Check it out to Howard Jones. Saw him once at Rockefeller Center. It was a great show. Howard Jones. Talking about great. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best, folks. In the history of our business, whether you're talking about 9 p.m. every week, not here on WABC or his own website, BillOReilly.com. Nobody does it better, folks. Columns, interviews, TV shows. It's just amazing. His Killing series, every book is amazing. 13 of them. Killing the Witches, the last one. He's got a new one coming up this fall. Does a great job with Chris Cuomo, Weekly on News Nation, and a spectacular job with me every Thursday morning. He's my hero, the great Bill O'Reilly. You know, Bill, I got to tell you, I, I heard your morning message today. I listen every day very intently. And um, let me just say this, because you and I are different. You... You're kind of classy, you're measured, and I'm not, okay? Uh, I, I can't stand, I despise Nikki Haley. I hate her. Uh, I think I hate her now more than Biden. I mean, Biden does, but he's on the other team. But she's supposed to be on our team. And at this point, you know, of course she can stay in. She can do whatever she wants. She's getting millions of dollars. She's delusional. She sounds like an idiot. She lost by 30 points in Iowa. She lost by double digits in New Hampshire. She's down 40 points in South Carolina. And to continue to go out there and malign the guy that's got a real chance to win in her own party is really selfish. So she can do whatever the hell she wants. You're right. It's America. But I can't stand her at this point. How about that? Well, I understand it. 
Um, she's helping Joe Biden and those Americans who feel that uh, Mr. Biden is hurting them personally because of the out-of-control uh, inflation and uh, policies that are destructive, then they turn their ire, word of the day, IRE, on the Haley because they say, and rightfully so, um, you know, you're going to bash the guy that is going to get the nomination, and there's no doubt that Trump will, um, and uh, run him down, particularly the Nikki Haley problem for Trump is women. So uh, Trump overperforms with white men, and he underperforms with white women. By the way, and, he was on this show about a month ago, and he claims that is untrue, not well, true. Well, that's what the demographics show in the I last know. vote. I know. So maybe he's factoring in the vote was phony. I don't know. I'm a data man, okay? I mean, can only base my reporting <laughs> and analysis on what comes out. And uh, exit polling is just pretty good. Yeah. And, and, and they have percentages of, of this is how many uh, white men voted for Trump here and, you know, how many white women. So Haley, uh, an articulate woman, uh, comes across as someone who uh, shouldn't have any use for Trump. I think that's I think some of it's personal. You know, she just doesn't have much use for him. But she did say she would endorse him because she almost has to say that. Um, and she will when she gets waxed in South Carolina, which she will. So it's a four-week period now where Haley's going to run around. And I keep telling everybody, if I'm Trump, I want to debate Haley. See, people don't understand this. I was against the debate with Christie and all these people, because that would just be a cacophony of chaos. I love that. Um, but now you have a record, you, Donald Trump. Four years. Nikki Haley has no national or international record other than being a bureaucrat. Yeah. That's people, all. But people know that. You know how I know that? She's getting killed. Why would Donald Trump? It's kind of like when they tell you, don't say another word. It may be held against you in a court of law. She's not competitive. There's no race. He doesn't have to prove himself to the voters. He's it's killing her. proving himself, though. It's a matter of demonstrating what you have done unfiltered. I, I, this is so important for everybody to understand. Trump's record for four years was never reported accurately. It was always smeared by the dishonest press. So many, many millions of American voters, they don't know what he did <laughs> they, to this day. 1.4% inflation when he left office. How many people do you think know that? Okay. And by the way, that was, an that, that, and by the way, that was on the heels of COVID. Yeah, I mean, the economy, he really ran it, so everyone benefited. Real wages went up for everybody. So I'm Trump, right? And I've got a four-year record. I'm looking at a challenger, Nikki Haley, who's, you know, marginally hurting me, but not a lot. And people will forget about her fairly quickly when she drops out after South Carolina. But this is an opportunity because a lot of tune-in, a lot of people would watch this, for you to show your dominance over her. Yeah, but isn't it more important at this point, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, you're much smarter than me, I'm sure, the first sure, to say that. Sure. 
Uh, he doesn't need to do it. He's killing her. He's killing her. Isn't yeah, he it more doesn't than... need to do it for for. That's an excellent point. So shouldn't he? he doesn't somebody... need to do it for Trump versus Haley. Right. But he does need to do it for Trump versus Biden. Well, that's my point. Why wouldn't he save? Why wouldn't he save all this good stuff that you're talking about? Why would he waste it on Haley when the truth is he needs it against Biden? Because Biden's never going to debate in oh, a million sorry. years. He's got to debate once. No, he won't. Not even once. No. Well, He's well, not even going to come out of the house. Well, well, <laughs> you might see him in the window, wave it out. See, here's what I'm going to say to you. If you can absolutely, Bill O'Reilly, and if anybody can, it's you. If you can absolutely find out 1,000% that A, Biden is still going to be the nominee because Michelle Obama's getting more notice every day, and that he will not debate, I'll agree with you. But if there's going to be even only one Biden debate, no need to waste his ammunition okay. against Haley. The odds of Joe Biden debating Donald Trump are about 10,000 to one. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. It's... The man, come on. Not once? No, he'd get waxed, he'd get hammered, he just, and everyone knows it. He can't think outside the box. What is he going to bring, 50 index cards up there and read the stuff? But you know what's funny? You say he'll get waxed, he'll get hammered. So they had a debate last year, and he got... No, 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 four years Four ago. years ago, and he got waxed, he got hammered, and he still won. Well, that's because the press and everybody else and believe me as bad as joe biden would be the new york times would still say he won the debate right. mean, he didn't have to show up and he won the debate <laughs> all right and it's the same thing with nikki haley if nikki haley and, and and um and trump debate before a word is spoken nikki haley won um but look if you if trump wants to get back into the white house he's got to get back into the real world he doesn't have enough votes now to assure victory. He doesn't have them. So then your strategy becomes, how do I get more votes? And a commanding presence in a debate with Nikki Haley, no, and, and he'd have to, you know, you'd have to have an electric buzzer on him. And every time he started to insult her personally, you hit the buzzer so he gets a shock. All right? So you load him up. You say, look, Mr. President, I really don't want to do this, but when you call Nikki Haley whatever you're going to call her, I'm Bird going to brain. electrify you. Right. Okay? So that one might – and all he has to do – listen, I'm sitting here going, I'd love to debate Nikki Haley. I would love to sure. debate her. You kill her. No, it's not a matter of me going in. It's not that she's an inferior intellect. She isn't. She's smart. Nah, she's okay. Okay? But she doesn't specify, and this is the weakness of her whole campaign, how she would solve the border or how what she would do with Ukraine huh. or what she would do with Israel. doesn't she has, matter. She has no specificity. Not, but it doesn't matter because you know why, going back to a statement you made earlier, she does do well, I guess, with women. Yeah. It's because while the world is falling apart because of the three issues you just mentioned, you know what she does talk about? Abortion. That's where Not the Republicans. So much, though. I mean, Nikki uh, Haley is a, is a pro-life person, but she ladles it with caveats that you can't be extreme that's not a bad position no she's got a plan and most republicans don't that's why we took it on the chin yeah. Back but, trump, but trump is is doing the same thing nikki haley's doing but trump doesn't want to talk about abortion but he's not one of these hey 
six weeks and that's it. And he's not one of those. No, per- he's never no, been that way. No, he's not. But what I'm really worried about here is. Well, save that- it. No, no, save it. Save it. Okay. Bill O'Reilly's okay. worried. I know. I got it. <laughs> and I got some advice for you for Israel as well. See, now, now we've got two unbelievable teases from the best ever. Why is Bill O'Reilly worried? Now I'm worried. Come on, Bill, you're killing me. Why is Bill O'Reilly worried? And what's his advice as I make my way to Jerusalem? The best ever, Bill O'Reilly. Be back right after this. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Baby, I feel good. So let me tell you the influence that Bill O'Reilly has. Doesn't need to hear this from me. He's been the best in the business for a very, very long time. I'm a I'm a kid compared to the success that he's enjoyed. But when Bill O'Reilly said four and a half minutes ago before he broke. That he's worried. My phone blew up with people who said, just like I just said, if Bill O'Reilly's worried, so am I. I swear to God, my phone buzz, buzz, buzz. So, without further ado, Bill O'Reilly, why are you okay. worried? Trump should be up 20 points in the polls over Biden. I said this on News Nation last night uh, to Cuomo. I said, anybody who has a capacity to think clearly and is honest has to know how badly Joe Biden is running the country. It's beyond any debate anymore. Okay. 17% you are paying more for the essentials of life than you were three years ago. More than 10 million unsupervised foreign nationals in this country and hundreds of thousands coming every month. Ukraine, no end in sight. Billions and billions of taxpayer dollars flowing into that country with nothing defined for the American taxpayer. And I'll give you 10 more. Okay? The only thing that Joe Biden, and he hasn't accomplished it yet, to be fair, he's trying to lower prescription drug costs. That is noble. I hope he does it. That's it. So Trump should be up by 20, and Trump's up by about four or five. The deficit is in Trump's personality and presentation. So I'm trying to say to everybody, it's not too late for Donald Trump to sit down and become a statesman. That doesn't mean he has to be boring. He can still be feisty, all right? But he has to pick his spots now. Can't be saying nutty stuff that the press is going to wrap around his neck and pull tight. It's not too late to do that. And a forum with Nikki Haley, that's 10 to 15 million. A lot of women and a lot of independents watching it. Okay, You're not debating Nikki Haley. She already lost. You're really trying to convince people who don't like you that you are better for the country than Biden. It's a tremendous opportunity, and he should take it. So, based on what you just said, uh, you're very close with me and my whole family. That's true. You know, Danielle loves you. You love her and my kids. So, 
I have these conversations with my wife all the time. She says, I'm proud of you. You're doing great, but you could be doing better. You're number one, but you could be the biggest in the country, not just New York. All you got to do is don't say douchebag or don't do this, don't do that. And I go, but, but you don't understand. That's how I got here. And she doesn't want to hear it. She goes, yeah, but, but if you just clean it up just a little, I go, no, that's how I got here. And that's what Donald Trump would say to you. Enough already. It's been eight years of clean it up, fix this, fix that. That's how I got here. That's what he would say to you. And then I would say to him, with all due respect, Mr. President, that's how you lost the last two elections. He doesn't believe he lost. He lost one. Okay. No matter what he believes, that's on a, a historical role. What do you mean last two elections? He lost one. Yeah, the midterms in 22, oh. Republicans got waxed. That's true. Okay, that's true. Okay. All right? Yeah. So, you know, if, if your ratings were going down and you were channeling Imus or uh, Stern with uh, four-letter words, then I'd pull you aside and say, hey, um, people have had it now with that, so you need to do something new. Right. In your case, there's an expectation every morning of what you're going to present. So I'm going to disagree with Danielle a little bit. I don't think I would be provocative for the sake of being provocative by using words like suck which shows, you know, an immaturity. You're more articulate than that. But right. sometimes when you're genuinely upset, you should you should go. You should go right in. I would never temper that. But with Donald Trump, it's a little bit different. Yes, he was elected based upon his destructive nature toward the establishment. And he won in 16 because he wiped out Jeb Bush and Kasich and all the rest. But then his situation changes. He's a successful president. Traffic on that. You don't have to be the provocateur and comment on Nikki Haley's dress. For what? <laughs> all right? Yeah. Women don't want you to say anything about dresses yeah. unless you're saying they're nice. <laughs> right. Right? Am I right? No, you're right, but I would also... so why say a negative thing about the woman's dress? Because... For what? Because all she does is batter and malign him. I mean, look, look, yes, he won... But you don't go down to that. But that's him. He's he's a Queens guy. He wasn't born in, in, uh, you know, in England. Come on. He's the president. He was the president. He's Trump. use that. He's still Trump, though, Bill. He's still Trump. I mean, look... Listen, all right. If Trump wants to go down, and I'm not saying he is going to, but I'm saying that he would solidify his position and gain more votes if he tempered the personal stuff. So let's do this, because I understand his anger and frustration, as you you do, too. No, I absolutely understand. Right. You got got run over and and all that nonsense for nothing. And he goes through it every day, every day from a variety of people. But let's say you're right. Put it all aside, man. You won. You're the man. Give me one practical example, one right now, that you think he should do, other than Nikki Haley's dress moving forward, that you think would work in his favor. I think I would cut a 30-second spot, television spot, saying two things. Number one, what he always says, this nation is in trouble. And I can fix it, and Biden cannot fix it. And I just hope you will concentrate on my record rather than some of the things I might have said in the past that were a little dubious. Just 
concede a little bit that you may have gone over the line a few times. Do it with a smile. You show a little bit of humility. That is not weakness. All right? That's what I would do. You just say to the people, this is so serious. Concentrate on the important stuff, not the frivolous stuff. Man, I'll tell you what, his, that would add five to his polling. I agree with you. All of it, I'm just not sure he's capable of doing right, Well, if he's not capable, then he's got to go hand-to-hand combat down to the wire next November. Anything could happen, and I, I, oh my God, if the Democrats win again. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? You know, and even in New York State, I mean, it's right before your eyes. You can't see what's happening. So anyway, all right, so you're off to uh, to Israel on Saturday By the night, way, right? after this conversation, I'm not coming back. What am I coming back to? <laughs> well, they may elect you uh, to the Knesset over there or something, and they, they've said. A couple of things. Number one, um, I'm sure you have security, and you're going to be fine, and everybody is going to be alert, okay? Mm-hmm. But whenever I went into a war zone, I've been to four of them, um, and that doesn't count Afghanistan and Iraq, where I was as well, but I wasn't covering the war. I was there to uh, help the troops. We were doing events with the troops in the active war zones was, of Afghanistan and Iraq. Was that you and Dennis Miller or just you back then? I don't uh, remember. It was me and you know a bunch of Fox people yeah. with me. Yeah. But I, I would do book signings and then I, I you know talk to the guys and gals and all of that. But legitimately, I covered four wars. And when you're in a war zone, um, you have to be super alert. You can't be distracted, all right? can't be looking at your cell phone. Wherever you go, you have to be just watching. Okay. The second thing is take notes. Have a a little notepad and a pen and write down observations, things you see that surprise you or that are interesting. And the third thing is to talk to the kids. And when a kid's, I mean, 10 to 16 or 17, talk to as many of the kids as you can talk to about what they're feeling, what they're seeing, uh, you know, all of that. Because what you want to do in your capacity over there for the WABC audience is make this as personal as possible. Yes. Okay? So this is um, Sid. He's going over there. He's going to look at it, and he's going to bring you back personal reports. Because we have enough of the big arch stuff, all right? We don't need any more of that. That's covered. We don't have, and which is really valuable, is the personal, Mm. how are you doing? It's Mm. so simple. How are you? What are your fears? That kind of thing. And that is very, very important. You don't see a lot of it. That is great advice, and I'm going to make you a promise, Bill, and the rest of the audience who listens in big numbers when you're here. I'm going to do just that. Like my producer, Justin Ellick, is sitting right here looking at me. I'm going to do just that and uh, talk to the kids and try to make it as personal as possible because you're right. We can watch any one of a thousand news networks to find out where the next bomb is going to land, but how is life every day? I got to tell you, these segments, they get better. I don't know how, Bill, but you You're so great. They just keep getting better, and I love you, and thank you so much. 
All right, stay safe over there. Thank if you, you need anything, call me, text me. I will. Um, I will. You know, um, but I think it's going to be uh, the experience of a lifetime for you, and I'm looking forward to your reports next week. And don't forget, you're going to be on next Thursday with me when I'm in Jerusalem, so we'll have some uh, fun with that, too. Bill O'Reilly, I love you. Thank you so much. All right, shalom. My man, <laughs> shalom to you. There he is. Now you know why these ratings go through the roof when he's on. He's so good. Bill O'Reilly, BillOReilly.com, 9 p.m. weeknights, WABC. I'll be right back. Friends in the morning. What you say? Be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oy. Oy. Good morning, Sid. This is Tom Sullivan. Just wanted to call and uh, wish you well and safe travels on your trip to Israel and listen to you talk about it. I know you're pretty sentimental, and uh, this is a great opportunity for you to connect with your culture and your faith and the good people of Israel and get a better understanding of what they're experiencing out there. And, you know, everybody at the Sullivan 2024 State Assembly race is praying for you and wishing you a great time and a a safe return. had a great show today, guys. Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Sliwa. Had a uh, just an amazing conversation moments ago with the great Bill O'Reilly. And I'll tell you what else was great on this show today, Monsignor David Casado. So we've covered every base. I mean, every story we've covered on this show today. Trump, Haley, Biden, Eric Adams, his state of the city yesterday. Heck, even Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. No one does it. we do. Nobody. By the way, I saw the um, the itinerary so far, and um, I want to. Uh, I really want to bring you guys with us. I mean, I, I I say this all the time. 
The reason why this show is so much more popular than any other, even on our own station, we've got great shows, is because with us, it's almost like you're part of the family. Like, I tell you all the time, people stop me in the street, how's Danielle, how's Ava, how's Gabe? You know, before they get to Trump or whatever political ideology they agree with me with, I always say we're building a community here. Our listeners, you know, and I want to take you with me next week with us. So we uh, we go on the air at 6 a.m. local time. That's 1 p.m. in Israel. So I've got time in the morning to get up and go to the gym. Alex Trayman, his wife works out right by the studios. A real nice gym like Equinox. So I'm going to go and have breakfast and do that type of thing. But Already two of those mornings, the great Yehuda Hanekman, who's really the guy behind this trip, you know, he's the guy. Just an everyday guy. Grew up in New York, left New York for, or Israel about uh, 13 years ago. He's been on this show a couple of times. He was on right after October 7th. He made a bunch of you cry. And when Dolph Heikens and Rabbi Bloomstein came up with the idea after that wonderful Saturday in Shul in Woodmere to go to Israel. It was Yehuda who went at it. He did it, not us. And he found this group who was all too willing. I spoke to the director, Scott, yesterday, all too willing to fund this trip. And here we go. And he's still working, Yehuda. He doesn't work at the station. He doesn't get a penny from anybody. He's just a good guy. Nice Jewish boy who listens to me every day for years and is taking as much pride in my visit as I am. That's a special guy. He's got five kids, one in a wheelchair. So he's been booking these events. So, for example, I know uh, Tuesday morning we're taking a tour. I believe the Western Wall and other spots in Jerusalem Wednesday morning Another tour, that's Dove Hikens tour group, and it looks like Friday, the day we're not on the air, we're on Monday through Thursday, can't do a show Friday because it's Shabbos. And this show, by the time we hit hour three, falls into Shabbos, so we can't work. I believe that's the morning going down south. He's working on getting that done today. Now, this is kind of eerie, but at that Nova Music Festival, everybody drove there. Right, like driving to Woodstock, for example, picture Woodstock. So there were hundreds and hundreds of cars, and then a lot of those cars never left because they were killed. These poor people. So they had hundreds of cars. So when they made this music festival, it's now a memorial, but it's. It's just as it was. People don't realize it was like a huge tent, and they had uh, tables, and it was pretty, almost like Bethel Woods, you know. And they left it that way, but they made this a memorial. And for weeks and weeks, people would go, and all the cars would still be there. You know, Jim Fossil used to coach the football giants. He died about two years ago. But he coached the giants when uh, during 9-11. And he said, Sid, the one thing I'll never forget is going to work Thursday of that week, 9-13, and seeing all the cars parked in Secaucus that never left. They would park their car there, make their way into the city, go to work. They all died. 
But what's even eerie, more eerie, about this Nova deal is, you know what they've done with, now there's very few cars left. Now we're months past the atrocity. The cars are not there. There's only a couple left. They've buried the cars like you would bury the dead. They've buried the cars. I heard this yesterday from Scott and Yehuda. These are the types of chilling stories that we're going to see and hear all week long that I want to bring to you guys. Just unbelievable. So, Anyway, um, we got about a half hour to go. I'm going to open the phones. I never, ever, ever do that because, well, I just don't care what you guys think. To be honest, I love you all. I love you like my own family, but I just don't care. <laughs> we just went from God. I wish I could take off. Well, I mean, because they, they, because they, they get annoying after a while. <laughs> oh my God, my daughter annoys me too after a while. But it's genius. Well, because they just, you know, it gets. I don't care what you think about Trump or <laughs> Joe Takapina. One of one more of you idiots. Takapina's not your friend. He's Al Sharpton's friend. Shut up. <laughs> First of all, he broke that story about Trump on this show the day before he went on with Al Sharpton. Second of all, I don't care what he says to Sharpton. I've known Tack since he's 11. So I get these things, and I get down in the listeners again. So if I open the phones. <laughs> Everybody with Tack of questions, <laughs> just don't call. <laughs> well, you know what they do, these idiots. They call. I want to talk about Trump, and the person they, they go is, Tack of like five-year-olds, you know, like the, like Frank Morano does this segment. At the end of his show, I mean, it couldn't be any dumber. He allows people to speak for 15, 15 seconds. seconds. One is dumber than the next. <laughs> I don't know what the point of it is. I don't know either. And then he just There's goes, nothing funny about it or, or, or you know, or, um, John, I don't know, John and creative. Claire. Yeah. <laughs> then the guy talks. Then he just goes to Pete in uh, Franklin yeah. Square. <laughs> he says like three or four stupid things, and he's gone, so. But the phones, look, every phone line is lit, so we'll do that. Oh, that's it. That's all they, they, they just They just got to talk, so. Okay. Uh, we'll talk to you, I folks. Talk. I talk. <laughs> we'll come back and talk to you, the peeps, my peoples. We're going to talk to you right after this. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. We get it almost every night. And when that moon gets a big and bright, it's supernatural delight. Every border was dancing in the moonlight. Everybody here is out of sight. But they don't bark and they don't bite. They keep things loose. They keep things alive. Every border was dancing in the We had some uh, technical difficulties there. We were, I believe there was nothing uh, on the air for a couple of minutes there, right? Nothing. No, we had something on the air. 
Okay, well, you guys uh, jumped into... um, It wasn't us, us, right? It was actually Lennon Michael. (laughs) Might as well. (laughs) Coming up next, Mark Simone. All right, you have any more questions for Doctor? (laughs) But a nice job out of uh, Lou and uh, Justin. You you folks aren't here to see it. They jumped into action. Nothing like a heart attack at 9.30 in the morning. You did great. Excellent time. They were like EMTs, man. They They were racing around. Yeah, they were. What else am I supposed to do other than yell and scream and run like my head's on fire? Yeah. Well, that's what you did, but yeah. you got it done. So. Well, I had a couple of cold brews here. That was one other option. Yeah. Like, I'm not trained to do anything else. <laughs> Just, not. I told Justin he knows one speed. Yeah. What the heck is going on? Yeah. And then he runs. <laughs> Just said, Justin, I don't think this is us. Yeah. Why is that happening? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just ask unanswerable questions. He's like, I-, I don't even know how to stop it. Yeah. So. Should be so, uh, no so, hiccups um, in Israel. I hate to break no. the party. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I think you lose track of whose show this is. Oh, uh, right, right, okay. There's another Ivan's oh, moment I for you. I didn't see you running around. <laughs> yeah. That's like, uh, I, mean, I, I, I wanted to complete panic. No, you're looking at your phone like, I can't no. believe what a great show we've had. No, he, was, he was thinking he had to go home a half an hour early. <laughs> yeah, Who just said that? Was that flipping? Oh. No, that was me. Oh, that, you're exactly right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, great, I'm out of here. So, yeah. are we done? Can I go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought it crossed my mind. I'm not going to lie to you. No. It did cross my mind. <laughs> this guy's so funny. All right, so this hour is brought to you by Pete Morgan. And he said, how could you do this to me? I said, do what? He goes, I hate it when you take phone calls. I hate it. Yeah, he does hate it. He's like, they're idiots. You're sponsor- I'm sponsoring this hour. And um, I said, now I'm definitely going to do it. So, huh? Yeah, there, no. there you go. That's how I am. You know that. All right. Here is uh, Rory in Harlem on line four. Good morning, Rory. Good morning, Sid. I just. Oh, no, this isn't Rory. This is Lori, Justin, you dumbass. Uh, 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 (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm sorry, Lori. Good morning, Sid. Justin, what were you doing? Running around or what? God. You guys are having a great time as usual, and I'm still rolling with the show, Sidney. I just want to tell you, Pete won't be mad at me for this call because I am wishing you. Danielle and your family, a beautiful, a safe, and a blessed time in Israel. And I want to make you understand something. Your dad, Harvey, would be so proud of you for making this trip and doing what you're doing. I love you. My heart goes out to what happened, and I think this is the best way for you to do something about what did happen October 7th. So I wish you well and a safe trip. You know, you've been such an amazing uh, listener and fan, Lori. I Sunday, of course, will be uh, eight years. Eight years to the yeah. day I arrived here in New York and got on the air with Bernard. Eight years on Sunday, and I remember early, early on you calling. I remember doing those sports shows on That's Sundays, right. and you would be the first caller. You've just been so supportive and so loyal, and I love you so. Thank you. And I will meet you one day, and you will you will come back home safe and sound in the name of God and Hashem. He will protect you all. Do, I know you'll do have a great time, Sid, and I know you're going to come back with things to tell us all about that will just blow us all away. But know that you're doing the right thing, and 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 you and you know your dad will be so proud. So no, think of you. him while you're there, and at the I Wailing Wall, will. of course, that's thank a good you. place. Thank you, so, Lori. So great trip, and I, I'll be listening every morning. I love you, Lori. So, thank you, thank you, and thanks for mentioning my dad. This is a big deal. I wish he was here to see this. I do. Uh, Judy's in Brooklyn. I love Judy for many, many years as well. Judy, line one, good morning. 
All I, I'm not, I'm trying not to be an idiot, okay? Listen, Sid, first of all, do you get my letters and my articles? Tell me, tell me, tell me. I do get, you? I get, you know what it's like? It's, I'm like a guy what? in prison. About uh, once a month, they drop off like 90 letters. <laughs> and oh I read God. them, and, and yours are beautiful. That's why I went to on the phone just Thank now, you. Judy, because whether you're uh, dropping off yeah. a cake for my birthday like you did, believe it or not, <laughs> seven years ago when I turned 50, or uh, or the letters you send me, I do see them all, yes. Thank you. Sid, listen, first of all, you, uh, January 27 is this Shabbos, okay? That's your anniversary with Bernie. I remember the date. I know April 19. I know everyone's birthday. I mean, yours and Bernie's, unfortunately. And um, I want to tell you something. So it's Shabbos. It's not Sunday, January 27. That's when that's when you started, okay? No, no, not but I actually know you're right. But but I landed in uh, at Kennedy Airport, went to my sister's house the day before, January the 26th, which is Shabbos. But you're right. We started, uh, it'll be Sunday, yes. Yeah, well, this, I looked on the calendar. January 27 is Shabbos. I don't know. Listen, Sid, listen. Before I tell you... All the things I want to wish you, you know, I was listening to to Bill, and I want to just uh, say, why can't Trump have a mock debate and pretend Biden's there in an empty chair, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. and say yeah. all his wonderful accomplishments? Yeah. Wouldn't be any different. What? It wouldn't be yeah. any different. You're yeah. right. It's not a bad idea. Sid, listen. Yeah, Sid, listen to me. I want to tell you something. You know, I adore you more than ever. Go with your heart. You have a wonderful heart. Go with your heart. Please stay safe. I love Lori, whatever she said. Ditto on what she said. Your instincts are spot on. Your instincts are spot on. You are better than Bill O'Reilly, I'm telling you right now. So don't get intimidated. Just go with your heart. Stay safe with your family. Enjoy and just take it all in and be very successful. Thank you. And you know what? I just, we just adore you. I really Judy, do. Judy, I love you too. Thank you. You've been, you've been also like Lori. You've been a great fan for many years and celebrated with me and Bernard, God rest his soul. And, uh, you've been great. So thank you. One more quick one. I'm running out of time, but Ari is in Stamford on line two. Good morning, Ari. Hey, good morning, Sid. I'm a longtime listener. Um, I just wanted to wish you much luck, uh, next week in Israel. Um, as an Orthodox Jew here, I really, really appreciate all your support, um, that you show for Israel. And, um, you know, just two things. If I just heard, I said, as I've studied there for a couple of years, if you could visit the cave of the patriarchs, Marat Machpela in Hebron, and the cave of um, uh, Rachel's burying place, who's our matriarch, those are huge holy places that I think you would love and you could pray. And it's just an amazing time there. Thank you for that, Ari. You know what? I changed my mind. They're not idiots at all. They're great. So we're going to take a quick break, come back, and do more of these. Is Sid and friends in the morning from our friends. Seventy-seven WABC. It's a little bit funny this feeling inside. I'm not one of those who can easily hide. Don't have much money, but boy, if I did, I'd buy a big house where we both could live. If I was a sculptor, but then again, no, or a man who makes potions in the traveling show. No, it's not much, but it's the best I can do. 
to me talking about my uh, my dad you know my mom and dad never made it to Israel they traveled extensively throughout their 60 plus years of marriage all over the world really and um, they never got to Israel so I make this trip it's not just for me or for WABC or for sitting friends in the morning it's for New York People all over the country and the world that have a heart. That's it. You know, they put in the New York uh, Post, it'll be in tomorrow. It was in the release that uh, ABC distributed yesterday, that world peace I'm looking for. And of course, that's true. I mean, come on. We'd all love that. Wouldn't that be great? We're nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. Not even close. And the truth is, if I'm not going to lie to you folks, I'm not even looking for peace in Israel. I'm looking for a win. I want to crush these mother effers. I want to kill these bastards. I'm not looking for peace. What I'm hoping is, is that when we're done with these animals, then there will be peace. But there ain't going to be peace. Until we kill these animals. But again, I make this trip with one more great show about to come your way tomorrow for all of us. And my dad, who never got there. You know, I've had so many um, great moments in the last three years. I just, I just can't believe what has happened the last couple of years. I just can't. And my dad uh, is in here, but like the conversation I had with Monsignor Casado earlier, I I rather I, I tend to believe now in God and all these miracles and all this stuff. I argued it for years because I was one of those obnoxious kids. I need proof. I don't need proof anymore. So I hope that. I hope you're watching. We're done for today. Louis, I love you. Justin. I love you, too. And, Norm, I love you, too. One more, baby, tomorrow from these studios in midtown Manhattan. Then it's off to Israel. So from all of us to all of you, including my friend here, Elton John. Peace! Anyway, the thing is, what I really need Those are the sweetest guys I've ever seen It may be quite simple, but now that it's done, 
Time inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.